0: Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? will last forever. The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN plus begins Saturday. This is the character and Smallman podcast powered by I Promise. Now here's character and Smallman.
1: Guess what day it is? App Homte! The Cardinals
2: up by Cinco. Cinco de Mayo. That's coming up pretty soon too, isn't it? Cinco de Mayo, when is that? Is it over already? That happens uh, on the fifth month, the fifth day, right? Cinco de Mayo. So it's coming up the next May. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Get ready now. Uh,
3: good morning, everyone, and welcome to character and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Michelle Smallman is already crying at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. we got to
4: play that several times today. What a beauty Mike Shannon is.
3: One of the all-time best.
4: Get ready now.
3: For <laughs> Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Hope you have a uh, great plan for your Wednesday, your hump day. We have... A lot coming up. We've got Ask Uncle Randy. We're going to celebrate Cinco de Mayo with a little contest in the uh, 9 o'clock hour. Anthony Stalter is going to join us. You know, Michelle, that Cinco de Mayo, the birthday of our late great friend Chris Duncan. Yes. So, Anthony is going to join us at 9.15 to tell some Chris Duncan stories. Hopefully, Adam Wainwright will do that as well at 8.45.
4: Looking forward to that and looking forward to remembering and celebrating Chris Duncan today.
3: Yeah, he he was one of a kind. And don't forget, he would have turned 40 today. Mm -hmm. And in celebration of Dunk's birthday, we brought back the Dunctionary t-shirt for a limited time now through Friday, May 21st you can order this year's limited edition Dunctionary t-shirt. Proceeds from all sales will go to support the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund and I know his uh, widow Amy is very very excited about the scholarship fund thanks to CarStar, your auto body repair experts for supporting this year's Dunctionary t-shirt campaign Order your own very, your very own Dunctionary t-shirt now at 101ESPN.com
4: Head to 101ESPN.com. Not only do you get a great t-shirt, but it goes to a great cause.
3: Fantastic cause. Cardinals rained out last night. Michelle, they'll play a doubleheader today. And I know one of your favorite rules uh, that started last year, and I enjoyed it as well, was the seven-inning doubleheader. And the Cardinals will have one of those today.
4: I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the seven-inning doubleheaders last season. Those games move. They move. And... (laughs) baseball wants games to move, so I'm all for it, and um, unfortunately, the game got rained out last night. I was looking forward to that, even though DeGrom was scratch, wasn't going to be out there, but uh, two games today, let's do it.
3: If baseball is going to be so dramatic in changing the history of the game, if they're going to have seven-inning doubleheaders, if they're not going to allow a double, a uh, doubleheader no hitter a seven inning no hitter to be a double hitter if they're going to change extra innings we'll never have I, when i was a kid the cardinals played a 25 inning game in new york and i had i was listening to the radio and at like three thirty in the morning bake mcbride scores from first on a on a base hit we'll never have that again if we're going to change baseball as dramatically as rob manfred appears to want to change it why not make every game 7 innings?
4: I am with you. I think that that's the only way that they're going to get what their ultimate goal is, which is to speed up the game and to make it more entertaining. However, that's less innings that they're going to have people buying concessions, that's less innings that they're going to have on television for commercial breaks. And uh, if you're in the bullpen, if you're a relief pitcher, you're looking at certain innings that might be your job and a lot of people in the MLBPA will definitely fight this.
3: That that's a great point. Yeah. The, jobs will be affected by it. I do think that there would be advantages. And I also believe that because when you talk about the loss of income within two years, their revenues because of gambling are going to shoot through the roof. Mm -hmm. And I believe all of that can be offset by the money that they'll make from gambling in game, all the losses that might be incurred from four breaks in a couple of innings would be offset but the the PA is going to be the issue
4: and you're right but then they're thinking why would we shorten the game because that's that's more time people will be gambling
3: that's true <laughs> yeah
4: it all it's it's so frustrating to me because baseball's trying to do all these little things to speed up the game all these little things to make the game more entertaining when the answer is very clear but it's counterintuitive to their bottom line right. For which us- is money
3: for us, a seven-inning game would be better. For them, they're trying to find a way to fit seven innings, nine innings, into a seven-inning time frame. Exactly. Essentially. So today, your game one, 4 first pitch is Marcus Stroman for the Mets. He'll be opposed by KK for the Cardinals. And then 20 minutes after game one, this is a true doubleheader. You've got TBD versus Johan Oviedo, and we miss out on DeGrom. Bummer. Yeah. Sad.
4: <laughs> Bummer. Hope he's okay. I guess yeah. these tests were encouraging. Um, and Randy, I've heard some tough things about TBD.
3: Oh, man. He he is tough. And he's ubiquitous. He gets traded around all the time. Yeah, that's right. But he never loses a game. I never see his name in the loss column.
4: Never. However, since the Cardinals have not seen TBD before, that's going to be problematic for them. We know how the Cardinals are sometimes when there's new pitchers in the mix. So
3: First time they see a guy without video on him, no chance.
4: And I don't know if we have video on TBD.
3: I've never seen him. <laughs> He is He's, he's kind of like DeGrom was supposed to be. He's always listed, but then never winds up on the mound.
4: Well, maybe TBD also won't get any run support from the Mets. <laughs>
3: Could be. Yesterday, you asked several of our guests, and I think it's a legitimate question, is Tommy Edmond the MVP of the Cardinals right now as we sit here on May 5th? And everybody agrees that he is the guy, having played second base and right field, both effectively having been a really effective leadoff hitter. And our question today is, and you can weigh in with a Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. You can also send us a text, 65780, to the Air Comfort Service text line.
0: Who needs
3: to be the Cardinals MVP if they're going to win in September? So by the time we get to the end of the season, is it Tommy Edmond? If, if if he's the guy, can the Cardinals have won? Or does somebody else need to be the MVP? I'll tell you right off the bat, Michelle, and especially because of the propensity of Cardinal pitchers to get injured, and we've already seen KK miss action. We've already seen Adam Wainwright miss a start. Uh, we've already seen Dakota Hudson go down. We've seen Michael, Miles Michaelis go down. We've seen Daniel Ponce de Leon get banished. So, so far, it's been Flaherty and Gantt, right?
4: When you say banished, I think Game of Thrones. I just envisioned him <laughs> at the wall, <laughs> you know, and a big fur coat. Not dead yet. <laughs> oh, banished to the wall. Anyway, keep going. My
3: opinion is that Jack Flaherty needs to be the Cardinals MVP by the time they get to the end of the season. He needs to have made 30, 31 starts. And I totally get anybody else on the team, any name. But my opinion is, with the way this team pitches, Flaherty needs to be the MVP at the end of the year.
4: That's a good one. And with all of the questions that you just outlined, if Flaherty isn't the MVP... Thank you. I tried really tried if he wasn't if he's not the MVP that might be problematic for the Cardinals. However, I'm going to pick a guy that's going to play every day and Tommy Edmund is the MVP right now. He has been sensational for the Cardinals and that is impressive. However, if we're looking to September and we're looking towards the end of the season, hopefully Tommy Edmund is still giving you what he's giving you. Dylan Carlson has been that much more seasoned as a player. You know what you're going to get from Goldie, the big fundy. Hopefully, Arenado is exactly what he is. I'm looking at Paul DeYoung to be the MVP of this team. If he can not have those fatigue issues, if he can be the hitter, provide some power, some pop for the Cardinals, when Paul DeYoung goes, this lineup is a different lineup. And if you're getting ready to go into the postseason, hopefully, and Paul DeYoung is rolling, this Cardinals offense is going to be a threat.
3: All right, here's a, a very tough question for all of us. Cardinals have won five in a row without Yachty. So, can Yachty be the MVP?
4: It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> uh, he, he can, um, because even though Andrew Kisner has been. M- more than serviceable mm-hmm. for the Cardinals. He's done a really, really good job. I think having Yadier Molina there adds just a completely different layer to things. I think
3: he can be the MVP.
4: I think so, too.
3: Last night, the Astros and Yankees played first time the Astros have played at Yankee Stadium since 2019. First time they played at Yankee Stadium since the revelation of the Astros cheating scandal. And the first time they played, obviously, before fans at Yankee Stadium. So when the Astros stepped to the plate to start the game, as you might guess, the ten thousand plus on hand at Yankee Stadium gave it to him.
0: <laughs> That's
3: about ten thousand Yankee fans.
4: The signs were amazing. The trash cans that said cheaters with the Houston H, shame with the Houston H. My personal favorite was the one that said, you thought we forgot.
2: <laughs> and they, they,
4: I watched uh, the majority of that game. They really did give it to them. It was great. And it's not going away anytime soon for the Astros.
3: Yankees score four in the sixth, win the game seven to three. Jose Altuve was 0 for four. Dusty Baker, the manager of the Yankees, first of all, on that reception that you heard.
2: Nothing surprised me, you know. At least there wasn't any violence. I mean, you know, they can they can say whatever they want, and um, you know, <clears throat> it sounded like a packed house tonight, even though it wasn't. And uh, you know, we kind of accepted. I mean, we kind of expected that, uh, you know, reception. And so we'll probably get more of the same tomorrow and the next day.
3: Now, Jose Altuve, Michelle, who should be hitting three forty-seven, is hitting two forty-seven. Houston, he was 0-4-4 last night. He finished the game with an on-base of 291, which is completely unacceptable for any leadoff hitter, let alone Jose Altuve. And Dusty said, "Yeah, they were pretty hard on him.
2: They were extremely hard on on you know Altuve. Uh, you know tonight the fans were."
3: And he also admitted that. El Tuve is pressing because of it, because of the reaction of opposing fans. You can't tell Yankee fans that a guy is pressing. If you're a manager, you can't say, yeah, one of my guys is pressing because of the reaction of fans. You can't say that when you have two games left in New York against the Yankees and their fans.
4: How many Yankees fans do you think went to a bodega or wherever and they got a blow up trash can? And mm-hmm. now they're going to come back even harder, knowing that it's getting to them. Did you see Granky early in the game? Mm-hmm. You could tell it was getting to him. Yep. I don't know if you're a human being though, how that doesn't get to you, if you are actually even a tiny bit remorseful for what you've done. As Dusty Baker said, you can know it's coming, for a a year, but when it's actually happening in the moment, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's the revenge tour. It's the shame tour. You're getting booed because you cheated, because you had a lack of integrity, and you did something wrong, and these fans are going to remind you every second that you're playing of what you did, and so if you're a human being and you have any remorse for that, you feel embarrassed. You feel ashamed, and I don't know how you concentrate on a game when stuff Like that is happening when a mirror is being held up to you and reminding you of one of the worst things that you've done for hours. Right
3: and there's only five guys left on that team that won in 2017 but hopefully they all get it. Speaking of life happening fast two days ago we were rooting really hard for the Arizona Coyotes to lose Tonight, we're rooting for a Blues win and an Arizona Coyotes win. If the Blues win and Arizona wins, then the Blues are in the playoffs. The thing is, if the Blues win and the Kings win the rest of their games, and Arizona's playing the Kings, and the Blues would lose out after tonight, even if they would win tonight and lose out, the Kings could still theoretically make the playoffs. So we've gone in 24 hours from rooting against Arizona to rooting for Arizona.
4: So LGB and LGA? Yeah,
3: LG. <laughs> Yeah, LG or LGC.
4: Or LGC, that's e- right. E-
3: either one you want to call it. Blues and Ducks tonight, 6 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN with Alex Ferrario. Curbs and Joey will have the call at 7 o'clock.
4: Let's go. I like that the Blues hold their fate almost 100% in their hands. If they if they yeah. handle their own business, they're good.
3: Yeah, the magic number essentially is two, but they can wrap up a, a playoff spot tonight with a win and an Arizona win over the Kings. All right, we're off and running here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Next up... Ask Uncle Randy. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 and
0: Ask Uncle Randy is coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: I've been around,
3: you know. It's time for Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. You got a question? Doesn't matter. Hey, you need some Mother's Day advice? Uncle Randy's here for Mother's Day advice. Whatever you need advice-wise, now's your time to open up with your most intimate questions, and I'll try to answer them (laughs) intimately.
4: From the 636, the first one. Dear Uncle Randy, my wife wants to move back to her hometown of 1,200 residents four hours from St. Louis. I have no desire to do this. What can I say that will convince her not to
1: move? Or that we shouldn't move?
3: This is one that is very difficult because ordinarily where the wife wants to go, the husband lands. But 1,200 residents is not... A place, if you grew up in a city, it's really hard to adjust to 1,200 residents. So I'm going to fall back, Michelle, on the I feel like I wouldn't be able to be happy in a place with 1,200 residents. I, I love you and I love your family and we can go there. We can make that four hour drive Heck, every couple of weeks. But I don't see myself being happy living and working in a place like That with 1,200 people, even though I like the 1,200 people, it's just too small for me. I want to stay where I have access to my blues, I have access to my Cardinals, Mm -hmm. I have access to my Forest Park and my zoo and my museums and all the good restaurants here in St. Louis. This is where I grew up. This is where I want to be. And I really do feel strongly about this
4: great advice. I remember when I went to Montana on a vacation. We were driving through Montana and you would see one house and then you wouldn't see another one for like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, how do those people live? Like, yes, it's nice, beautiful scenery. You're remote. But what if your cable goes out? how are you getting to the grocery store?
3: That's a big thing, going out <laughs> and buying stuff.
4: All that all that type of stuff. And I don't know exactly what the town looks like, but I would imagine it's a completely different way of living. And if you've been living in St. Louis or, in a, as you mentioned, a city-type environment for a long time, your wife is also probably conditioned to the creature comforts that comes from mm-hmm. living in a bigger place. So maybe remind her of those things as well.
3: Yeah, the positives of being in St. Louis. And if she's not a sports fan, just... Point out the ease of going to a really good restaurant, or being able to get to the grocery store in five minutes, and things like that. And exactly. the fact that there are there are good hospitals around if anything happens. Great point. The, there are a lot of positives that you have here that you just don't have in a market of twelve hundred people.
4: Twelve hundred people.
3: Yeah, not
4: enough. You think there's a lot of intertown drama since everyone knows everyone? That
3: is. Completely the case There's always got to be Intertown drama That's their soap opera Yeah, yeah. Totally
4: Totally From the 314, a lot of questions about Mother's Day, Randy. So we're going to choose this one. Dear Uncle Randy, this is my wife's first real Mother's Day. Since Mm -hmm. last year, it was ruined by COVID and our baby was born last April. What's a good first Mother's Day gift other than a hand-printed card? I'm planning on getting her some studio time for a mother-daughter photo shoot, but I feel like I could do more since it's been such a difficult year. Thanks, Randy. Love the show. LGB.
3: All right. Hashtag LGB. All right. There are a couple plays for Mother's Day. Number one, flowers, whatever her favorite roses are. Get her those. Number two, breakfast in bed, whatever her favorite, favorite breakfast is. You say when you get up or you just get up early and say, hey, you stay here. You take care of feeding the baby and you provide uh, breakfast in bed for her with you and the baby. Just kind of having made it together. Uh, that's the second play. And then third, I this is really dependent upon whether or not she likes it, but I think a spa day for a mom that hasn't had the opportunity to enjoy one yet, especially because of the pandemic, whether it's a massage, and Michelle is a big fan of the pedicure and the manicure, if you can get a Mm -hmm. gift certificate for a spa day, I think that's the best Mother's Day play. When When moms have a baby, they're generally somewhat stressed out. Now, they don't want to spend a ton of time away from the baby either, but... If you can get her a spa day where you are watching the baby, I think she'll love it.
4: This is why you're such a pro, Randy. Absolutely. Give her something that's all about her. That yep. allows her to relax, decompress, and just get away for a little bit. And and what's better than a spa day? Nothing. Yeah.
3: No. And one thing about moms, they might say, I don't want flowers. They want flowers. So make sure that you head to Schnooks, which has the best florist in town, and pick up a dozen roses for.
4: And while you're there, stop by the bakery section. It's the
3: best bakery in town. (laughs) It's
4: so good. From the 217, Dear Uncle Randy, I'm going to be in the loo on Saturday, moving my son out of Umsol. I want to take my wife out to lunch for Mother's Day on Saturday. We're not going to be dressed really nice since we're going to be moving. Which restaurant do you suggest? Anything on the hill, maybe? This is from Brent, by the way. Okay.
3: Brent, we do appreciate this. Zia's on the hill, I think is a fabulous lunch spot. Joya's Deli, if you're not going to be dressed If you're dressed casually If you go to Joya's Deli, you can't go wrong It's fabulous And there's one here in Creve Coeur as well Uh, And and by the way, I I want Michelle to weigh in here Because Michelle, you have your favorite local eateries as well
4: um, if you're going to the Hill, my favorite spot, Pizzeria de Gloria. They have mm-hmm. It's the old Amiguetti's. They have a great patio, hand-tossed pizzas. They have a great salad there. It's an awesome spot. And it's new, so you can tell her that uh, you scoped it out. And this is the hottest new spot in town.
3: And if your family, well, let me give you uh, two other quick ones. If your family likes barbecue, and you're, this is really easy from Umsel, just go to 170 and Olive. Take 170 to Olive and just make a quick right and on the left side of the street you will see one of the great barbecue places in town it's called sugar fire yes Uh, our friend mike johnson with sugar fire that's fantastic and then if you come a little bit further down and you make your way into clayton and you can dress casually and they've got a beautiful patio if you're into italian cafe napoli is great too uh, and uh, they'll do lunch on Saturday, right? there will be, a, I'm sure somebody um, from Cafe Napoli. I'm is am sure. A, yeah. So, but it'll be a beautiful day on Saturday too.
4: Also, one of the great things about St. Louis is that you can go to lunch, dressed casually, yeah. almost anywhere almost in anywhere. town. No one's, no one's going to look at you side eye if you pop down for yeah. lunch and you've clearly been moving all yeah. day. So don't let that hinder you. Right. Go anywhere you want.
3: So that, that was fast, but just you remember Zia's and on the Hill, we've got three for you. Uh, on the hill. We've got Zia's, we've got Pizzeria de Gloria, mm-hmm. and we've got Joya's. There you go. And then in Clayton, we've got Cafe Napoli, and then in Olivet, we've got the barbecue at Sugar Fire.
4: There you go. So of- that
3: were five different spots for you. And uh, if you don't remember those, just email me, Randy, at 101ESPN.com, and I'll, I'll give you those names again.
4: From the 314, dear Uncle Randy, my girlfriend is graduating with her master's this weekend. Congratulations. Congratulations. Texter's girlfriend. What do you get someone who's smarter than you?
3: Okay, I've had to do this for 38 years. (laughs) So uh, for a great graduation gift, this is something because she's moving into the business world, and I know the business world has changed, but if she's going to be working in an office atmosphere and... Ask for her help for, for this, but get her something that she can carry her work stuff in, uh, a bag with for her computer, for her, her stuff, any notebooks or anything like that. And let her share in the decision because any woman, you don't you, you're a guy. You don't want to pick this out. But say, here, this is what I want to get you for your graduation because I know you're moving into the business world and I know you're going to need this. This is a practical item that she'll love and every day she sets it down, she'll think of you.
4: Great gift, Randy. You are a really good gift giver. Anytime people are asking about what gift to give for whatever occasion, you've got the correct answer up your sleeve. It's because I've been there. So good. So good. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, my team came in under budget, and we have enough money to get one item for the office, a new coffee maker, a new microwave, or a new water cooler. I'm the HR guy. I have to make the decision, but I couldn't care less. Which one should I choose?
3: All right. I am going to say that most people, and I'm not a coffee drinker, but most people when they come into our building, the Hubbard Radio, they've got a coffee in their hand. Mm -hmm. They don't need the coffee maker. Water is accessible for everybody as well. Everybody can walk in with a bottle of water. But not everybody has a microwave in their office. If somebody wants to have a nice microwaved meal or maybe microwave some popcorn, if you allow that in the office. I think the microwave is, in my opinion, something that is more necessary in that environment because everybody takes care of water, and not everybody, but many people, most people, take care of water and coffee on their own. Agreed. So, microwave, the process of elimination.
4: And I would imagine a lot of people would use that microwave. Okay, one more, Randy, from the 618 I have a business partner coming to the Lou from Arizona. Okay, great. We're in our mid-30s. We want a cool drinks, food, slash entertainment night. Any suggestions?
3: All right. I would start with this. I I would start with getting tickets to a Cardinal game, if there is a Cardinal home game, Mm -hmm, all right? mm -hmm. Drinks, food, entertainment night. So my, my entertainment, if you guys like sports, to go to a Cardinal baseball game. All right, so we're let's talk downtown and drinks and food. Okay, more casual spot is Cybergs, which is fantastic, and everybody likes Cybergs. It's really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. You can also, uh, there's a couple of spots that I really like. Carmine Steakhouse, if you want to go with steak, it's a walk from uh, to the stadium. It's very easy to get to and then if you uh if you want to be close to the ballpark I don't and I know this sounds like a sales job Cardinal Nation is really good Cardinal Nation has good food, great drinks, great bar mm-hmm. and obviously right across the street you can park at ballpark village that would be my play and I presume as a s- listener of this show that you are a sports fan so that would be my play is either Ballpark Village, Cybergs, or Carmine's. If you want to go steak, go, go Carmine's. And then go across the street to the ballpark.
4: Also, 360 is a very cool option. Great
3: spot for drinks. Yeah. Great can spot you still for drinks. see the, inside the ballpark from 360? I haven't been up there. I think you can. Yeah, of course. Because I know you can see it from the press box. Yes. Okay.
4: And depending on what time the game is, always a great place to go if there's a sunset because you get the arch on one right. side, you get the ballpark on the other. So I always think that that's a cool place to go for people because when we are here in St. Louis, we take the arch for granted. We see we it do. all the time. It's it's so normalized to us that it doesn't feel like a big deal, but it's always surprising to me when people come in from out of town how in awe of the arch they are. They want to see the arch. So 360, since you're up on the roof, it's a great vantage point of the arch, and then you can go right across the street to the game.
3: And a couple of guys in your 30s, I think you'll have a good time. Agreed. All right. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate it. You can always ask Uncle Randy Wednesday mornings Here on 101 ESPN. Next up, we want your texts. We want your mic drops. Who needs to be the MVP for the Cardinals to succeed? So when we get to mid-late September, who are you voting for for the Cardinals MVP? Who do you think it's going to be if they're in first place? That's next on 101
0: ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: Michelle and Randy, and we invite your mic drops and text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Who needs to be the Cardinals' most valuable player if they're going to be a winner this year? You can also use, as we mentioned, the 101 ESPN app and use the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. Use your voice for 30 seconds and tell us who you think the MVP of the Cardinals needs to be. Not who it's going to be, but who it needs to be if the Cardinals are going to win the National League Central. And Michelle, I know we've already got texts in there. I've picked... Jack Flaherty, and you have picked
4: Paul DeYoung. I I think if you want your Cardinals offense to be as dynamic as possible, if Paul DeYoung is going, and if Paul DeYoung is your MVP, especially down the stretch into the playoffs, you're probably in a pretty good spot.
3: And to me, all due respect to everybody else, Flaherty is your horse. He's your guy that is going to to, to go to the post every fifth day. And he and John Gant right now are the only pitchers a month into the season that have made every start for the Cardinals. And I think by the end of the season, by September, he'll be the, the only guy that has made every start. And wayno, bueno, he wasn't hurt. He just he was away because his family was dealing with COVID. Mm-hmm. But Jack is a number one and everything falls in place behind a number one starter. And I think that's what the Cardinals need to have.
4: You know who could be a surprising MVP? And I can't believe these words are about to escape my mouth. What if it's Carlos Martinez?
3: Could be. What if It, it what absolutely if could be.
4: Continues to give you what he's giving you. If, if Flaherty is going, if you're getting what you get out of Bueno and Carlos Martinez yeah. is the Carlos Martinez you've seen these past two games, he could be your MVP. Yeah.
3: By the way, that's how forgettable he, he hasn't missed his start either. I guess I should throw him in there. <laughs> yeah, he's but gone it, at
4: least five, gone eight innings. The past two could have gotten yeah. the complete game last time, but um, Mike Schultz decided otherwise. But Carlos Martinez has been really strong for the Cardinals. Yeah,
3: he's been great. All right. What are the listeners thinking?
4: From the 618, for me, the MVP has to be Goldie. MVP would mean we're getting the Arizona Goldie and not just a good first baseman, which is what we have now. Let's not overrate the player the Cardinals have now.
3: Goldie is so capable of getting hot and by the end of the season, being a 920 OPS guy with 30 homers and 100 RBIs. And that's how hot he gets. Even though he's not off to the best start, he can still be that guy. He's capable of being the league MVP. And I think he can still be the Cardinals' best player. He or Arenado can be the best player. I'm going with the term valuable Mm -hmm. here. And I do think that... I think they need Goldie and Arenado to be great, to to win. I don't know if they're in the race unless those guys are, which makes them really valuable. But, yes, I, I would say that if Goldie has, and his OPS right now is in the sevens, right? I think I'll I'll double check it here. I don't think that you can, to to agree with the texture, I don't think that Goldschmidt can have a 700 OPS and the Cardinals can win. I don't think that can happen.
4: From the six three six, along the same lines of what you were just saying, Randy. I know it's going to be the easy answer, but I think the MVP has got to be Arenado. The Cardinals have several really good, even some great players, but Nolan Arenado is one of the best players in baseball. If he's having an MVP caliber season, the Cardinals will be successful.
3: Agreed. And no, well, I, I, if he's having an MVP quality season, yes, the, the Cardinals can be successful. But can they be the division champs? And then, uh, To give you those numbers, right now, Goldie has a 652 OPS. Arenado is at 821. If both of those guys are at 850, 860, I think that the Cardinals will be okay. I don't think that in the long run, over the course of six months, if Goldschmidt's got a 652 OPS, I think they'll be in a little bit of trouble.
4: From the 618, the MVP needs to be Bader or Carlson. The Cardinals have and need extra offense and production. We know what the other others are capable of. We need a surprise candidate for the Cardinals to be successful.
3: And I would think that Carlson is capable of it as a rookie, switch hitter, hitting number two, scoring a bunch of runs. I, I would say of those two that the most likely would be Carlson. And I I don't think that the Cardinals need to be to have Carlson – be an MVP. I would say if he is their MVP in September, that they've had a great year, Mm -hmm. and they're maybe even running away with the division.
4: From the 314, the MVP is and needs to be Tommy Edmond. He's been one of the best of the leadoff spots so far, and he's going to continue to be that for the Cardinals to have that spark.
3: He's so fun to watch play, and he is a spark. He's a great top-of-the-lineup guy. My thing is, I think he is right now, but I think if he is the MVP at the end of the season, if he, if he's your team MVP, then you've had disappointing years from other guys, and you're probably not winning the division. Michelle, let's get a mic drop. This is Lisa, who has joined us via the 101 ESPN app on 101 ESPN.
4: Morning, guys. So I think the
5: MVP at the end of the year, if it's not Arnato, because he's going to come up at so many big moments. We need Arnato to be Arnato and drive in big runs at big moments
4: and in an honor of Duncan's birthday, we can't afford Arnotto to get the tight cheeks. <laughs>
3: he cannot have the tight cheeks. This is true.
4: That's right. Shout out to Dunk. None of these guys can get the tight cheeks.
3: No. And I don't think they will. I think the leadership of this team is such that they'll be pretty comfortable winning. When you have Yachty and Wayno and Goldschmidt has been to the playoffs before, and Flaherty, he lives for big moments. Mm-hmm. You've got so many guys that have been to the playoffs before. I don't think that that'll overwhelm a guy like Edmund. arnato has been to the playoffs. I don't think that the expectations of St. Louis will overwhelm these guys. I think they'll be fine.
4: From the 573, I'm thinking Bro Neal needs to be the Cardinals MVP down the stretch.
3: He's another guy that if he is, then the Cardinals really have something going. And I've been pleasantly surprised because... I figured that Neil had kind of solidified himself as a 200-type hitter. And I know we're only a month in, and he spent a week, 10 days out of the lineup. But if you could go a whole season with Tyler O'Neal hitting two sixty nine with an eight twenty seven OPS, which is what he's got right now, if you go the whole season with that, that's a hell of an outfield. It doesn't matter what Bader does. If you have O'Neal Bader doing what mm-hmm. he does and then Carlson and Wright That's pretty impressive. I would love that.
4: I would love that, too. This one's interesting, Randy, from the 636. The Cardinals MVP will be Max Scherzer after the trade deadline.
3: (laughs) I like that. Now, it's going to cost a lot to get him in terms of what you have to give up. But if you can get him after the deadline and he can pitch August and September for you, that's a great MVP to have. Let's get another mic drop. This is John on 101 ESPN.
2: Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Michelle. For me, the MVP of the Cardinals needs to be Tyler O'Neill. If he can come through in that role, the Cardinal lineup becomes extremely deep. You can have Edmund and Carlson leading off. We see that they're going to hit. We know what the big two are going to do. You bat O'Neal fifth, Molina sixth. The Cardinals have an extremely deep lineup and maybe challenge the Dodgers and Padres.
3: Yeah, then all of a sudden you have DeYoung hitting seventh, Bader hitting eighth. Pretty good lineup if if Neal can be that guy.
4: Gosh, that would be great if he could. One more, Randy, from the 309. The MVP will be Mo because he's going to pick up a pitcher at the deadline.
3: That'd be nice if you pick up a pitcher, and especially with Dustin May out for the year. That changes the complexion of the Dodgers. Now, you're going to have other teams in there with a big top three. And, hey, the, the top three... It was going to be Bueller-Kershaw got knocked out yesterday in the first inning. Yeah, bad. Bueller-Kershaw-Bauer. But then you get to the back end, and the Dodgers are going to be great. But if the Cardinals can add another pitcher, a lot of ifs here. And we talked about a lot of ifs before spring training started. Yeah. But if Flaherty can be healthy, if Wainwright can be what he's been, if Carlos Martinez keeps it up, John Gant has been a revelation. I think he's been terrific. And KK... You can have those five and head to the playoffs and then add somebody where you can put Gant into the bullpen. You might have something against a team like the Dodgers. Wow. You, you never know, as Joaquin Andujar used to say.
4: And the Cardinals have devil magic, so.
3: That helps, too. So I don't care
4: about their their talent and their payroll when the Cardinals have devil magic.
3: (laughs) Hey, thanks for weighing in. Great to hear from you on the Cardinals' potential MVPs. If they're going to win it in September, that's our question of the day. If they're going to win it in September, who is your MVP? Leave us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop. But coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780 for Take It or
0: Leave It with Michelle, Randy, and Emily on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Emily Butcher, Randy Carriker with you. And Michelle, yesterday, Terry Bradshaw joined Colin Coward on The Herd Show on Fox Sports Radio. And they talked about Aaron Rodgers and Terry Bradshaw says about Rodgers being bothered by the fact that the Packers took Jordan Love last year. Bradshaw says him being that upset shows me how weak he is. Who the hell cares who you draft? He's a three-time MVP in the league and he's worried about this guy that they drafted last year at number one. Obviously, he doesn't need the money. Probably he should just retire and go do Jeopardy. Take it or leave it. Bradshaw has a point.
4: I'm going to leave that because sometimes what makes player's great is what self-motivates them. And if if the Jordan love thing is what propelled Aaron Rodgers to an MVP type season, I don't want to change his mental makeup. Now I know he's upset and I know he's using it as leverage right now against the Packers, but the great ones are always wired a little differently mentally. You have to be to dedicate your life to your craft, and I think that that's a part of what makes him great.
3: But if you do believe you're great, then it shouldn't matter if they trade for Russell Wilson to be your backup. You aren't threatened by that guy. You aren't bothered by that guy. You just go out and play.
4: I don't think it's that he's threatened. I think he takes it as complete disrespect. And he knows the situation that he's in and the power that he has. And he knows that they cannot win without him. So he's using this as motivation to get the GM fired.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: But he's He's got an all-time grudge-holding ability.
3: He really does. I do think that it might be beneficial for him. You, know, you say they can't win without him. Well, they won without Brett Favre.
4: True. <laughs> so. But is Aaron, Rodger, or Aaron Rodgers to Brett Favre? I don't know if Jordan Love is to Aaron Rodgers what yeah. Rodgers was to Favre.
3: We certainly didn't know that in 2005. Good
4: point. Okay, Randy. So um, let's talk about the Cubs for a second. Go
6: Cubs! Go. So,
4: so the Cubs have beat the Dodgers over the past few few days, and uh, which is interesting because so far this season, not great. Fourteen and sixteen, they're third right now in the National League Central. But don't look down. Chris Bryant is back. He was named the National League Player of the Week for his performance last week. He seems to be back to his MVP type form. Take it or leave it. Chris Bryant's resurgence is going to change his trajectory and his future with the Cubs.
3: I'm going to leave it it, with the last three words, with the Cubs. I, I do think it'll change his trajectory in free agency. I think he'll make more money, but I don't think the Cubs have any intention of paying him regardless of how good he is, and I believe he gets traded at the deadline.
4: I know that he's auditioning for a lot of other teams right now, and it's great to see him in an MVP type form again. But imagine the blowback that the Cubs are going to get in Chicago. Oh. And Chris Bryant is playing at this level and he's clearly so beloved there and then they're going to move him. Yeah. Then he's going to be gone.
3: And then in free agency, probably winds up in Atlanta or Washington.
4: It's going to be brutal. Yeah, for them. For them.
3: Yeah. <laughs> for them. I hope he stays in the National League so he can come here a few times a year and be bored.
4: Yeah. I wonder where he's going to end up.
3: I would pick Atlanta or Washington. I think those are the probably the two that have money and a need a third base.
4: Okay, well neither one of those cities is boring, so
1: I no. can't really give a jab there.
3: No, unfortunately.
1: Unfortunately.
3: Emily, what do we have?
1: From the three one four, take it or leave it, Bennington wins a Vesna in a second cup during his blues contracts. Oh
3: totally take that, yeah.
1: Take it. Maybe yeah. this the season, given. right, Randy?
3: Yeah. All
1: roads lead to hardware on yeah, character right. and small man.
3: Yeah. Take it or take it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna take it. <laughs> From the six three six, take it or leave it. The Cardinals will win ninety five plus games this year.
3: I'm going to leave that, even though I think that they'll be able to handle everybody else in the division. And by the way, if you didn't see yesterday Christian Yelich back on the IL with his back injury. I wonder how long he's had that.
4: Is it a week back? There you go. Okay, I was well, trying the, to do the math. I think so.
3: Yeah. So the Cardinals theoretically could dominate this division. I'll I'll, I'll take that because. I know the Brewers pitching is great. I don't think this division, specifically Cincinnati, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: is going to be as good as I thought it was.
4: Feasts on the Reds and the Pirates. Yeah. And likely the Cubs in certain points. Mm -hmm. You know what? I thought it was going to be closer to 90, but I'm going to go ahead and take it too. Positive. From
1: the 636, take it or leave it, Schwarber, Lester, Bryant. The, the Nationals are becoming the Washington Cubs.
3: Oh, yeah, I'll take that. Definitely.
1: Yeah, they're like Cubs East.
3: Right. Yeah. Schwarber, Lester Bryant. They'll right. get somebody else, too. They'll, they'll have another former Cub before you know it.
4: Maybe Rizzo. Maybe. Now I think they're going to hang on to him. Can you imagine being in his position? All your buddies that you went on this great ride with and that were supposed to be the foundation of the dynasty are... are either on the move or potentially on the move, and you're going to be the last guy standing.
3: Yeah. Now, he turned down 60 over four from the Cubs. Take it or leave it. Rizzo gets a better contract than that, whether it's with Chicago or somebody else. I'm going to take it. I am, too. He's got what Scott Boris calls that prestige factor. Mm -hmm. Prestige worldwide. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think he gets better than 15 million a year over four.
1: From the 573, take it or leave it, Bader improves from his batting last year and has the best year of his career at the plate.
3: I will... I'll take that. And keep in mind that the Cardinals don't evaluate players on batting average. I do. I still think actually hitting the ball is a positive and something that should be noted. But the Cardinals are much more inclined to look at OPS. And last year, Bader had a good OPS for the Cardinals so I really think that uh, he can have his best year in terms of batting average by the way last year if I look it up I'm gonna give you a number here doo, doo, doo. here he had a 779 OPS I'm, I'm I am gonna say that he has his best offensive year and matches that OPS
4: early trends are there yeah that it's going to be better so I'm gonna go ahead and take it
1: from the 217 take it or leave it. Backus starts and likely his final game in St. Louis tonight and the Cardinals sweep the Mets. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take both.
3: Yeah, it's going to be great.
1: Isn't it wild to think about David
4: Backus's career? Yeah. Talking to David Perron yesterday when we asked him about David Backus and just what he was like as a teammate and a guy and how he helped so many players on this Blues team. And David Perron brought up the fact that nobody was a truer blue than David Backus. And he wanted this team and this city and that organization to win the cup more than anyone. And for him to be on the other side of that, what that must have been.
3: You couldn't have asked for a better face of the franchise than David Backus. Thing is, though, and it's it always goes back to the what if. If you sign Backus to that contract, if he takes your offer and doesn't take the term, if he takes the four years and whatever it was, uh, the, the Blues offered four and thirty or uh, no, not that much, maybe four and twenty-four, whatever it was. There's no way you can get Ryan O'Reilly. And if you if you have Backus, you don't get O'Reilly.
4: And this is no disrespect to David Backus because he was an amazing blue, an amazing steward of the blue note. But you said you can't ask for a better face of the franchise than David Backus. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's a pretty yeah, good, good second option. Ryan O'Reilly is a pretty good second option.
3: And the reason I say that about Backus is because he came up and he would only worn your sweater yeah. and loved the community so much. And he helped out so much with the five acres and save dogs. He
4: saved dogs. Yeah. You know what the thing about Bacchus is that I'll always remember? He was like us. He understood the Blues fan. He understood what it would mean for this city and for, for these fans to finally get that cup. And it was... As much for him, probably, you know, he's worked towards this his whole life. Of course, he wants to attain his goals, but he really understood us. And I think sometimes in St. Louis, the sports fans, that's all they want out of their stars is they want them to understand how we feel and how much weight that these things mean to us. And he got it.
3: And the reason that he got it is because the year that he came up, 2006, 2007, the Blues had a record of 34, 35 and one. So they did make the playoffs, but he also had to deal with not making the playoffs in his second year. So he, he kind of understood the rebuilding. He, he was part of that John Davidson rebuilding thing, mm-hmm. and he, he got it. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Tom Wilson, the goon <laughs> for the, the Washington Capitals versus the NHL. It's, it's a joke. It's next on 101 ESPN
0: we are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: 806 on this Wednesday, Cinco de Mayo 2021. Glad you're with us on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is May 5th. It is 5th day of the 5th month, Cinco de Mayo.
4: Yesterday we didn't really lean into Star Wars Day, May the 4th be with you. We did not. We're going to lean into Cinco de Mayo today. Oh,
3: big time. Yeah, we've got some Cinco de Mayo fun coming up. Speaking of fun, one time Mario Lemieux famously called the National Hockey League a garage league, mm-hmm. and they oftentimes do very little to allow us to dispute the fact. And yesterday was one of those days on Monday night, Capitals forward Tom Wilson uh, in a scrum in front of the net, punched Rangers forward Pavel Bushnevich in the back of the head while he was face down on the ice, and then he grabbed the hair of uh, the best player for the Rangers, Artemi Panarin, and caused him, injured him, and caused him to miss the rest of the season. How did the league react after that entire incident? Well, they didn't have a hearing, and he threw Panarin to the ice in the scrum, and he's out for the year. Didn't have a hearing, and he was fined $5,000. This is a guy that nearly killed Oscar Sundquist a few years ago. He's been suspended seven times by the league, and you get the idea, Michelle, that the league is saying, well, you know, we can't control him, so all we're going to do is fine him. And so he was only fined $5,000. He wasn't suspended at all by the league. The Rangers last night issued a statement saying, quote, the New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these types of acts. And we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL head of player safety George Paris. And believe he is unfit to continue his current role so the rangers president john davidson our guy have called for the head of george paris the director of player safety for the nhl and the rangers and john davidson are a hundred percent correct
4: he's a repeat offender this is not the first time this is not the second time we know who tom wilson is and To fine him $5,000 for this is laughable. How much money does he make? Oh, wait, millions of dollars. You think that $5,000 is anything to him? That in any way this is a punishment levied against him? Or more importantly, will dissuade him from this behavior moving forward? No. This is a guy that does not care about the safety of other players in the league. And the fact that the league didn't do anything from a suspension standpoint or really put their foot down here to make a statement against Wilson and against hits like this and behavior like this is really embarrassing.
3: Yeah, it's really bad for the league. And when you look at his history, it's ridiculous. And obviously the the hit on Oscar Sundquist is something that we take personally here. He, he also got Sammy Blay and got suspended for that one, too. I, I don't know how you can say he doesn't deserve to miss time for this. You hit him where it hurts the most with playing time. Exactly. $5,000 and you mentioned the, the fine. If somebody makes $100,000 a year, that's $20. So for him, that's what a $5,000 fine is. It's absolutely ridiculous, and I hope the Rangers are able to go to the rest of the league and say, hey, we got to stop this. This is just, it's not fair to the other players in the league. It's not fair to the other teams in the league. The Rangers were on the outside looking in, but they were hoping for a playoff spot, and they lose their best player. And we get a text that says, hey, this is why we need an enforcer. Well, We don't have enforcers anymore. The reality of the situation is we aren't going back to having enforcers.
4: And why not? And why not?
3: Well, because the league doesn't want fighting.
4: Okay, and why don't they want fighting? Because they want to protect the safety of players. But then you're going to let Tom Wilson engage in this behavior over and over and over again? It seems pretty counterintuitive to remove enforcers from the game, but then let Tom Wilson skate by and continue to injure players.
3: He should be suspended for the rest of the season and the first round of the playoffs. So, however, let's see how many games they have left. It should be at least a 10-game suspension for Tom Wilson. And he gets a $5,000 fine. It's absolutely ridiculous. And they're going to make the playoffs. They have four games left. So, four games and the first round of the playoffs. That, At the very least, should be what his suspension is. Agreed. But he's not getting suspended. And the Blues will not have to see them until the finals, and that's when they can beat him up. The Blues will try to clinch a playoff spot tonight. What the Blues need is a win over Anaheim here on 101 ESPN, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff. And then after their win over Anaheim, they need... Arizona. Yes, they need Arizona to win their game against the Kings. So the Kings can't catch the Blues. If the Blues win, Arizona can't catch them. If the Blues win, L.A. theoretically still could if they win the rest of their games. So you're rooting for the Blues tonight and the Coyotes. It's weird, but it's true.
4: LGBNC.
3: Yeah, LGBC Coyotes.
4: We got it. LGBC.
3: That is Michelle. I'm Randy. And that is your Fresh Take on 101 ESPN.
0: Next up. You're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: It is time for...
1: You're killing me, Smalls.
3: On 101 ESPN. Michelle, what do you got?
4: So, Dodgers-Cubs yesterday, Randy, and Clayton Kershaw gets the ball for one of the games in their doubleheader. He got pulled in the first inning. So it ended up being a 7-1 loss for the Dodgers to the Cubs. But Kershaw was pulled after throwing 39 pitches. He gave up four hits and two walks. And according to ESPN stats and info... Previously, his shortest career start was one in the third innings, which weirdly came on May 4th, also back in 2010. But shortest outing of his career, Dave Roberts said that nothing was wrong with him. There's no physical issues. But Clayton Kershaw said it's embarrassing. No excuses. I was horrible. I put our team in a really bad spot. Chalk it up to a really bad start, and I'll get ready for the next one.
3: And he has pitched reasonably well this year. Leads the league and starts now with seven. He's got a 2.95 ERA even after yesterday. And I'm willing to chalk that up to one bad start for him. He is, how old is he now? 33 years old. He just turned 33 a couple of months ago. So I'm convinced he'll be fine. I think that was just one of those days that pitchers have. And I do with a guy like that, I chalk it up to being bad. Is he going to be what he was where he was winning 22 games and winning a Cy Young every year? No, he's probably right now the number three starter on his own staff but most teams would take him as the number one on their staff right so i i'm not worried about him losing even to this year's cubs
4: how many teams in baseball do you think would take him as their number one
3: at least 22 23
4: i was gonna say 20 at least 21 over 20
3: yeah definitely so Uh, he's and by the way just his last full season And we all know about the postseason success, but a lot of teams would like to have him to get him to the playoffs, right? Yep. He went 16-5 and with a 3.03 in 2019 in his last full year.
4: Interesting. So he's had 364 career starts, and he has only allowed, other than yesterday, four runs in the first inning one other time. (laughs) And it was during his rookie season in 2008.
3: He has been phenomenal. And a couple of years ago, you could have made the argument that he was the best starting pitcher of all time. Mm -hmm. And his last several years, since his last Cy Young Award, actually since the last time he led the league in ERA at 2.31 in 2017, his numbers aren't what they were. But it wasn't too long ago where he was in the conversation for best starter of all time. And even now, he's top five starters of all time.
4: And the problem with that conversation was he hadn't done it in the postseason. (laughs) He hadn't won a World Series. And now that that narrative has been erased, he's certainly there.
3: Yeah. I'd I'd take him on our side.
4: Oh, definitely. Who would you rather have right now, Scherzer or Kershaw? Scherzer. Me too.
3: Just because he's a power guy. And when Scherzer has done it in the postseason, it's been legit. He's just a, a, a power pitcher. And power pitchers generally succeed in the playoffs.
4: You're killing me, Smalls. So Terry Bradshaw, Randy, has not held back with his thoughts about Aaron Rodgers. So a couple days ago, he was on 670, the score, in Chicago and the host there on Perkins and Spiegel asked him about his thoughts on, on Aaron Rodgers wanting to get out of Green Bay. And he said, well, he's just dumber than a box of rocks, isn't he? I mean, he signed that contract. He didn't have to sign that extension. He got all that money. I don't know what happened there. They drafted a kid last year and he wasn't happy about it. He goes out, he becomes the MVP of the league, and now he wants out. Now he's claiming that they would trade him or what. I don't know, but listen, Aaron, if I'm Green Bay, if I'm Green Bay, I call his bluff. I don't budge. I do not budge. So, pretty strong words from Terry Bradshaw. Then yesterday, he goes on with Colin Cowherd, and he doubles down on his thoughts with Aaron Rodgers.
0: Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Look, he's an incredible player. But I could sit here and tell you right now, he has probably uh, the worst footwork I've ever seen for a starting quarterback. I mean, he but. Uh, I was talking to uh, uh, John Zarnicki this morning, and I said, he's an amazingly accurate, he protects the football, he puts up monster numbers, but his footwork is all over the place. And I don't know if that's because he got hit a lot, he's out of position and doesn't trust his lineman, very seldom steps into a throw. Pretty impressive, actually. But I do believe they are are, uh, a little bit pampered.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt the quarterbacks are pampered. And I think probably in Green Bay, with the success that Rodgers has enjoyed, they've probably taken it to a different level. And they've kind of enabled him to demand to get out of there.
4: He didn't like Mike McCarthy towards the end there. Guess what happened? Mike McCarthy is no longer with Green Bay. It seems like almost everything that Aaron Rodgers has wanted, he's gotten. And rightfully so. He has been the star player there. He's delivered for them. But I think when he wants weapons and they go out and they draft Jordan Love, it just pushed him over the edge. And I'm sure that there are other factors at play here rather than it just being a you drafted Jordan Love and I'm angry Absolutely. issue I think it probably has a lot to do with his fiance it probably has a lot to do with him feeling like the window is closing and that he might not have the best chance to win there even though they were in a pretty good position last year but I think almost every single starting quarterback is pampered and also if Aaron Rodgers has the worst football, footwork out of any quarterback that Terry Bradshaw has ever seen that tells me that footwork is overrated
3: yeah, he, well, for him, because yeah. it, he's got an incredible arm. I do believe that not only is this a product of his wife, his, his fiance, and some of the other things, but it goes back to what we were talking about last year with Brady and Peyton Manning. So Peyton Manning gets all the power when he goes to Denver, all right? He's able to run practice. He basically run the show. And it wasn't only McCarthy, but... Rodgers didn't get his guy at GM in 2017. He didn't want Brian Gutekunst to their GM. And so he sees Manning go to Denver and win a Super Bowl and have the power. And then he sees Brady mm-hmm. beat him with the power that Arians and that organization in Tampa have given Brady. And I'm sure Rodgers is saying, hey, I'm mentioned in the same breath with those guys, and I don't have the same kind of power as they have. Heck, I couldn't even get my own GM hired. I want to go somewhere where I can get a GM hired. And perhaps that's what his thought process is, at the very least, to be able to run practice for the offense like Manning did and like Brady did last year in Tampa.
4: But Manning went to a Denver team that had an amazing defense and was essentially built to win. And he went in there as a compliment to that Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay. Same thing. They were a good team that with Tom Brady and some other weapons, Gronk coming there, Antonio Brown, et cetera, Leonard Fournette were able to be a really good team. How many teams are there right now that not only is going to give Aaron Rodgers the power that he wants, but that are built to win and that are a quarterback away
3: one. Ironically, it's Denver. Mm -hmm. That's the team and their ownership. It's in flux, but John Elway is still, even though George Payton is their general manager, Elway is still in charge, and they would all take Aaron Rodgers. Of course. But he wasn't going to San Francisco, even though they made the offer he wasn't going to get that kind of power right. from Kyle Shanahan. No way. He's not going to get that kind of power in Seattle. Somebody brought up the idea of a Wilson for a Rodgers trade. Well, John Schneider, the GM of the Packers, learned at the foot of Ron Wolf, uh, the GM of the Seahawks, learned his stuff. He came from the Packers. He's got the same thought process as the Packers do, that owners own, general managers, general managers, mm-hmm. coaches, coach players play. It's not happening in Seattle either. There are no other West Coast teams for him to go to. So it seems like Denver would be the one.
4: Pretty narrow market, though, if you're Aaron Rodgers.
3: Yeah, and if you're Denver and you know that, you lowball. Oh, is, for sure. If if he has to get out of there and you want to make a move, well, you, you trade Teddy Bridgewater and a couple of number ones.
4: But if you're Green Bay, why would you ever do yeah. that? No, why would I, you ever do that?
3: I do believe that the most salient point that Terry Bradshaw made is if you're Green Bay, if he wants to go host Jeopardy, let him go host Jeopardy. And then you put Jordan Love in a year ahead mm-hmm. of, of when you planned to.
4: You better hope that that works out. You better hope that Jordan Love, when he does finally get his shot, is everything you thought he would be. Yeah,
3: and that means you have to have been good. You have to be as good as you think you are, too.
4: Exactly. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, one more quarterback note, Randy. So the Texans, they used their first pick in the draft to draft Stanford quarterback Davis Mills, and Adam Schefter reported that they did this because Deshaun Watson is not coming back to Houston. He's never going to play in Houston again. He said the Texans, using that pick, drafting a quarterback with their 67th overall selection, they could say it's the best player on the board or whatever they want, but the fact of the matter is there's still people in league circles who believe Deshaun Watson will not play this season. There are some people who believe his career in Houston is over, and the Texans know they face a tremendous amount of quarterback uncertainty, which is why they use that third round pick on Davis Mills. As we know, Deshaun Watson facing 22 lawsuits, 22 accusing him of sexual misconduct.
3: And the Texans also signed Tyrod Taylor. So they have their quarterbacks. If you are a team and the quarterback is the face of the franchise, you're any team in the league. Do you, do you dream of putting Deshaun Watson under center. I can't imagine that you would do that. If you're Atlanta, he's, I think he's from Georgia. If you're Atlanta and you went through that whole Michael Vick thing,
4: Mm-mm. no. No. It, 22 you, lawsuits. This yeah. is not one.
3: And it's people. It, these are people that were affected. Yes. Allegedly by him, but affected enough so that they were willing to attach their names to their lawsuits. I think his NFL career might be over.
4: I think it's over as well. I cannot imagine, even though he's incredibly talented, any team that would be willing to absorb. The liability of the fact that if the whatever happens with these lawsuits, but also it's a PR nightmare. And also, why would you want to bring someone like that into your organization? Your, the quarterback is the face of the franchise. That's the key. Why would you want to bring in someone who's going to be the face of your franchise with 22 lawsuits out there accusing you of sexual misconduct?
3: The Cowboys bringing in the defensive end Greg Hardy, who committed heinous crimes with with photos, by the way, mm-hmm. but it's different when it's a defensive lineman if, if Deshaun Watson faced the exact same lawsuits and it was a de- and he was a defensive end it wouldn't be near the deal as it is as a quarterback and it's not fair it's not right but it's reality
4: this whole Deshaun Watson situation changed overnight because we we just talked about Aaron Rodgers using his power to try to get out of Green Bay at the beginning of all of this it was Deshaun Watson that was supposed to pave this path of power of trying to get out of Houston and how many teams were interested in potentially going out there and acquiring Deshaun Watson it was Deshaun then it was Russell Wilson Mm -hmm. then it was Aaron Rodgers but he was the one that was going to set the template in a lot of ways and it just it happened so quickly
3: so here's a question if he settles all the lawsuits could he come back with his tail between his legs to the texans
4: if i'm the texans no way i know he's again very good but if it just seems like this situation is a having him be the quarterback of the texans is a no-win situation because even if everything goes away there's still a lot of stuff that's attached to this um from a if you are the Texans, that you don't want to be a part of. And he openly dished you. He openly said, I don't want to be here. I don't like the owner. You did not include me in these decisions. I didn't want the head coach. All of these things that he openly ripped. And yes, it would probably be embarrassing for him to have to go back there, even if it's his best option. But if I'm the Texans, I look at him and say, didn't you want out? Didn't you not want to be here? No way.
3: And that woman who is on video crying, she's a Houston resident. You can't. Because of that, the existence of that lawsuit and that video and the reality of that woman, if I'm an NFL team, if I'm any, Deshaun Watson on my team.
4: No way. Thanks, Michelle. You got it, Randy.
3: Coming up next, we've got The Fight on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on character and Smallman.
4: Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 836. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's time for the fight. Let's welcome in Randy's challenger today. AJ is with us. AJ is going to be taking on Randy on this hump day. What's up, AJ? How you doing?
5: I'm doing good, Michelle. How are you? I'm
4: doing Wonderful. Thanks for asking. Okay. AJ, How how confident are you in the fight? today? I'm feeling
5: uh, feeling either all of them or one of them.
4: Oh, all or nothing. All (laughs) or one. Okay. Well, hopefully it's all AJ. Good luck to you. Thanks. Question number one. Happy 51st birthday to East St. Louis native Lafonso Ellis. Ellis was drafted fifth overall in the 1992 NBA draft by which team? Was it the Miami Heat, the Atlanta Hawks or the Denver Nuggets?
0: Um, let's
3: go with the uh, Atlanta Hawks.
1: Which pitcher allowed Yadier Molina's first career home run? Was it Matt Wise, Jorge De La Rosa, or Ben Hendrickson?
3: Uh, uh, let's go Jorge De La Rosa.
4: AJ, you might not have known this. But Cardinal starter Adam Wainwright, he's going to join us coming up next at 845 right here on Carricker and Smallman. So after you're done with the fight, you're going to want to be tuned into that. Major Absolutely. League pitcher and former Mizzou Tiger Kyle Gibson is the VP of Big League Impact, which is Adam Wainwright's nonprofit organization. Which mm-hmm. team is Gibson currently in the starting rotation for? Is it the Minnesota Twins, the Texas Rangers or the Angels?
2: Well, unless he switched teams since I've last known uh, Minnesota Twins.
1: And last night, Brandon Belt became the second Giants player to homer in the first inning of both games of a doubleheader since the franchise moved to San Francisco in 1958. Who was the first? Was it Willie Mays, Barry Bonds, or Will Clark?
3: Uh, Those
5: are all good odd choices. Um, Let's go with uh, Willie Mays.
4: Okay, we're checking our score here. So AJ, you said it was going to be all or one, and I have to tell you, you were correct with your <laughs> prediction there. I'm not going to tell you which one, but you definitely got one. One. I'm leaning one towards the all? one. So, you know. Randy, please say what's up to AJ.
3: AJ, good morning. Great to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Randy. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Yeah. Thank you,
4: Randy. Question number one. Yes. Happy 51st birthday to East St. Louis native LaFonso Ellis. Mm-hmm. Ellis was drafted fifth overall in the 1992 NBA draft by which team?
3: I think it was the Nuggets. I'm going to go with Denver.
1: Which pitcher allowed Yadier Molina's first career home run?
3: Back in 2004, I don't remember, so I'll do the lifeline.
1: Was it Matt Wise? Jorge De La Rosa, or Ben Hendrickson?
3: Hey, this doesn't help me much, but I'm going to try <laughs> Matt Wise.
1: Randy, as you know, Adam Wainwright's going to join us coming up next
4: at 845 right here on Carricker and Smallman. Major League pitcher and former Mizzou Tiger Kyle Gibson is the VP of Big League Impact, which is Waynos nonprofit organization. Which team is Gibson currently in the starting rotation for?
3: Texas Rangers.
1: And last night, Brandon Belt became the second Giants player to homer in the first inning of both games of a doubleheader since the franchise moved to San Francisco in 1958. Who was the first?
3: First inning. Okay, I've got only two choices here. It's a coin flip. And...
4: Who are the choices?
3: Bonds and Mays. Okay. And I will go with Barry.
4: Emily, ring it. The winner and still champion of
0: the fight, Randy Carrier, The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com.
3: Actually, if I would have been more logical, and I don't know if I got it right or wrong, but I bet you Willie Mays played probably 30 more doubleheaders than Barry Bonds did, so I probably should have gone Willie.
4: You probably should have gone, Willie. <laughs> probably. So, Randy, before you joined us, when you were in the cone of silence in the hallway, AJ predicted that he would either get all correct or one. Mm-hmm. And he was correct. AJ, you got one right. You got one right. So, good guess out of you. Randy, you got yeah. three correct. So, Randy Beach, AJ. Sorry, three to one. Uh, LaFonso Ellis was drafted fifth overall in the 92 NBA draft by the Denver Nuggets. Yadier Molina's first home run was allowed by Matt Wise. It was September 23rd, 2004, versus the Brewers. Top of the eighth inning. Solo home run, for those keeping score. Um, let's see. Former Mizzou Tiger Kyle Gibson is in the starting rotation for the Texas Rangers. So, far this season he's 3 and 0 with a 2.40 era and willie mays was the first san francisco giant to have a home run in the first innings of both games of a doubleheader that was on may 2nd 1965 aj thanks so much for listening thanks for playing have a great day you too guys thanks for having
3: me thank you very much it is wednesday and that means it's time for wednesdays with wayno adam wainwright cardinal right hander joins
0: us next on 101 espn we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the cards. A
6: pump of the fist from Adam
0: Wainwright. This is Character and Smallman with cards pitcher Adam Wainwright.
6: Wainwright's 23rd complete game of his career.
0: Absolutely. SPN brought to you by Chick-fil-A, where you can earn points on your next order with the Chick-fil-A One app at any of our 16 St. Louis area locations. One, two, three,
3: four. Michelle Swalman, Randy Carricker, and it is time for Wednesdays with Wayno our weekly visit with Cardinal right-hander Adam Wainwright, of course, co-founder of the great big league impact.org. And we're going to talk about that as we go along here. Good morning, Wayno How are you? <laughs>
2: I'm doing good. How are y'all doing?
3: Doing well. I bring a lot of people onto the show, writers who are having a busy time and I say, Hey, we appreciate you taking time during a busy period. There can't be anybody more busy in St. Louis over the course of the last week than Adam Wainwright. It it's been something, hasn't it?
2: It's been something, man. It has. And it's, uh, it's relentless. You know, I thought, I thought that, uh, we were kind of over the, over the hump with my wife and she was, uh, turning a corner and then I, I got home after the game from pitching, and and uh, she took a, a turn in the wrong direction, and had to get her back into the to the hospital, and and uh, so yeah, that's where we're at right now, and gonna just make sure she's doing good. But she's the doctors are on it. We got the best doctors here in the world in St. Louis, so um, they're taking care of things.
4: Well, that's good to know, Adam. We're certainly sending your wife and your family thoughts and prayers. Hopefully she has a speedy recovery. But I want to ask you about being in charge of all of your kids. As as a solo parent, while your wife is recovering, being in charge of all of your kids. Because I know when my dad was in charge and my mom wasn't there to rein things in, sometimes kids are allowed to get away with a little bit more when dad is in charge. So is there anything that you (laughs) let your kids do since you're in charge that normally they wouldn't be allowed to do?
2: Uh, we might have dessert a little <laughs> bit more than than normal. Usually, we don't have any desserts on uh, on school nights, and and we've mm-hmm. had dessert a couple times this week. I'll have to admit that. Um, but you know what? I'm trying to do. I'm I'm trying my best to to put things back exactly the way they're supposed to be, so that when she steps back in and is able to do you know her normal daily activities. That it's not a whole culture shock to my kids, you know. I'm, I don't want them to to think that they can take advantage of of dad when mom's not around. I, I want them to to know that you know they have chores. So, all right, what that we have days of the week. What day is it? It's Wednesday. Okay, Bailey, you know that's your night. Got to clean the kitchen, and that Morgan, that means that's your night to clean the the great room and the and the living room, and and uh, put your toys away. And that means hey, it's your night, Macy, to bring down the the uh, the laundry and it's your night, Sadie, to get the br- the broom out and and sweep up a little bit. I mean, you know, there's things that they're supposed to do that that make the house work. That uh that we're trying to get back on track with.
3: And, Adam, one more thing about this, because you made a shout-out to moms, and especially on Mother's Day week, you, you've you had to, to do that. I, I know a lot of dads do that when moms travel. I've, I've had to do it before. But once you're thrown into that fire, what moms do, and the organization it takes to do what they do, is remarkable.
2: It is remarkable, and it's, it's – uh... It, you know, it's one thing to do it for like a day. And you're like, yeah, I, I got this. What's the big deal? You know, <laughs> I can do all this. And then you know, the second day, you're like, all right, this is a you know, this is this is wearing on me just a little bit now. And then third day, you're like, bring your own clothes downstairs. I don't care. You know, just, <laughs> it's just uh, it's it is remark. I think remarkable is a great way to put it. You know, uh, and I know every situation is different, but uh, it, it, in my in my marriage, uh, very early on, I, I looked at Jenny in the eyes and I said, hey, listen, you know, I am I, I like to help you with a lot of this stuff, but one thing I just cannot stand doing, I can't stand it. If I can avoid it, I'm going to do it. I'll wear my same clothes over and over. If you could do the laundry, that would make my life so much easier. And she said early on, she says, I got it, you know, because I, I just wasn't any good at it anyways. And. And, uh, and, but I, you know, it's just, there's one of those, it's one of those things that you look at and you go, I just don't like doing it. Like Mm -hmm. the other thing I don't like doing, I don't like unloading the dishwasher. I'll load that sucker. I'll wash all the dishes after dinner every night, but for whatever reason, I can't stand unloading the dishwasher. So she's the unload the dishwasher person, but the laundry for seven people is re i mean it is like the coronavirus baby it is relentless it never goes away it that washer and dryer stay running like it's like they're breathing air you know and they just uh and and i don't understand you know when i look at my little girls i'm like did you need to wear three outfits today what is the problem with this or i'm like i'll just did towels yesterday. Why am I washing towels again? Oh, well, we used it one time. Congratulations. You can use a towel, especially this week for the whole week. Congratulations. (laughs) So it's just, uh, you know, it just, it's, there's so many things that my wife and just like everybody's wife does that, that you just sort of, you know that they're doing it. You love that they're doing it, but you don't understand how much work it is doing it until you're doing it yourself. For sure, I miss my wife. I'm telling you what, man. You know, like I need her, <laughs> I need her back here to to just make this house work like it's supposed to work, and my kids and our family to to work like it's supposed to. Our family doesn't work the same without her.
4: Adam, I'm getting a sense that maybe one of your daughters is going to have laundry on her chore list coming up pretty shortly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the older two can help a little bit, you know, but I I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but I think it might be kind of the way I was doing laundry before. You you know, you don't want to be good at it because then they, you know, they're going to ask you to do it more often. Um, Kind of like, like hair, you know, like my little girls, I can do, I do ponytails. I do ponytails really well. But there's not enough time in the day to sit there and French braid everybody's hair. So I made a decision early on in my in my life, as my as my as a life of a father, that I, I'm not going to French braid. You know, but I will. I'll put your hair in a ponytail. I'll I learned how to brush properly. You know, as as a lot of guys don't know, there is a technique that you have to follow when brushing hair. You can't just start running a brush through the hair. You know, you're going to get all kinds of tangles in that long stuff. So <laughs> you got to do it the proper way. I learned how to do that right. I can get all the kinks out. I can I can put a ponytail if you want a ponytail, but if you want a French braid, that's your sister's job. You know, so there's there's certain things that, that I can do and and there's certain things that they can do and there's certain things that they don't do well, so, you know. My, my daughter, Bailey, looked at me the other day and said, dad, did, did you wash my bra with the darks? And I <laughs> oh, went, <no. laughs> well, maybe you could wash your bra next time and it won't be a problem, huh? And then she just like, sorry, and walked out <laughs> of the room. So.
4: That's a way to end that conversation. Well, Adam, we know yeah. that starting pitchers have their routine and obviously family comes first. So you had, you had to disrupt the routine a little bit, but what's that like for you to not have the normal routine leading up to a start?
2: I mean, it's you know, it's uh, it's not, especially once you're in the thick of a of a, of a season, it's not a huge deal. Um, it, it does throw things off a little bit. What I will say is that I just did a, a terrible job of of uh, preparing my body from a nutrition standpoint. You asked me earlier if there was something that we skimped on, and we we certainly had a few meals uh, that we wouldn't have had on the regular, you know, every now and then we got to go get a five guys burger. Every now and then we got to go get some Raisin Cane's every now and then we got to get some Chick-fil-A every now and then. Right. But not three in a row, you know, and, and there was times at night where, you know, I'm doing all the laundry and I'm doing all the stuff and I'm making little man his, his bottle and, and I'm, and I'm changing a diaper and I'm helping with homework. And then I'm like, Oh dang, I didn't do anything for dinner yet. And And I'm like, all right, you know order it up and it was you know three or four nights in a row where we ate it was a good week of fun eating i'll just say that and and, uh, i felt it when i was on the mound i was dragging my behind a little bit knowing that i didn't have the right fuel in my body uh to go out there and perform i mean all that stuff is a treat but it shouldn't be done every night i mean i think everybody would agree with that so uh maybe except for chick-fil-a you know maybe that's (laughs) the one that's the one uh that's the one thing that you might could eat every day and, and be fine. Um but that, yeah there was there was times where I was like all right I got to I got to do a better job of doing this next week. So we're we're on that this week. We're we're on to it. But the pre- the preparation and all that kind of stuff, you know, if 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 you're doing the same thing every 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 week, that's a good to an extent, but if it becomes a superstition then it's making you a lesser athlete. If it's helping you prepare and it's it's, you know, it's not a necessity, then it's a strength. And that's how my routine is. You know, I mean, this, this week it was, it was a grind uh, mentally and just not knowing if my wife was okay. And, if, you know, if my kids were in the right spot, but, you know, missing a bullpen or missing a workout day here or there, it, it it's not a huge deal once you're into the thickening. That was a long answer, but.
3: Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN. We know one of the many things I love about you is your relentless positivity and, All the time, you think your team is going to be good. I believe that you go into every single game the Cardinals play thinking they're going to win. This particular club, though, has won uh, six out of seven now. You're you're five games over 500. you You're right there in the thick of the, the chance for the lead in the division. From your perspective... When do you know that a team is going to be really good? I mean the Cardinals have had a winning record pretty much every year. Well, they they have had a winning record every year since 2008. So, how do you know when you're looking around the clubhouse and then you get out on the field and your team is playing that your team is really good?
2: This offseason as soon as we signed Nolan Arenado, I knew we were going to be really good. I mean, that's, you know, the short answer. Um when I look across the clubhouse and I see some of the guys we have in our lineup and in playing defense for us and in, in our pitching mounds, I, I know that we're going to be really good. I, I, Jack Flaherty is in my locker next to me. You know, I look across the, the clubhouse and I see Nolan and Goldie and Edmund and Carp sitting right next to each other. I'm like, all right, we, we got some, we got some things here that we can work with. And then, you know, we got, maybe the best center fielder in baseball back this last week, and he's already hit two balls that are 450 feet. You know, we've got the gold glove left fielder, Tyler O'Neal, you know, hitting hitting tank bombs and diving around the outfield. We've got young stars like, uh, like Williams and, and a couple of our pitchers, Oviedo. I mean, I can't wait till y'all can see Oviedo on the regular. This guy is super nasty. Uh, and and some of our young prospects coming up. I mean, you know, we just have a lot of things. We have a great, solid shortstop, which you just can't you can't say enough good things about what Paul does defensively and and, and the power he brings to the plate. We have a, an, an elite bullpen, in my opinion. I mean, there's things that we do that are really great. You know, I I mean, <laughs> if you just look at what our starting rotation could be in the next three years. Uh, people are going to be laughing at what they used to if they used to think I was good they'd just wait you know because Alex Reyes could be a starter and he's I, mean, I think what we're seeing out of him out of the bullpen is pretty special but he could be a starter He could be a number one starter Oviedo could be a number one starter Matt Liberatore could be a number one starter Jack Flaherty is a number one starter you know we're going to get Dakota Hudson back we got all these things in the in the works there's just tons and tons and tons going forward for Cardinals Cardinals fans
4: Adam, you mentioned the starting rotation, and one guy that's been really impressive so far this season is Carlos Martinez. And part of the reason that he's had success is he's working that cutter in. And I was reading about how over the past few seasons he's had conversations with you about turning to that pitch and how to unleash it. So what's some advice that you've given Carlos Martinez about effectively using his cutter?
2: Well, uh, interestingly, um, I've had to tell him to kind of to, to not overuse it in the past. Um, but he's using it and he's throwing at it in such a more effective way this year. The previous years, last year and the year before, when he would throw it, you know, and maybe it was because he was working on the bullpen a little bit and didn't have the kind of the reps that you need to throw it consistently. But uh, the previous years, you know, when he would when he would throw it it would it would be either a ball way in or he would make a mistake down the middle now he's throwing that one right up underneath the hands of a left hander over and over and it's just bearing in on those guys and they can't stand it and that sets up his good sinker and his change up he's got one of the best change ups in baseball sets up his change up really well and then he can work that slider off of it so uh, it's just a pitch that he's found that he can uh, execute routinely which is which is the most important thing about a pitch in baseball is being able to execute it routinely if you're making a lot of mistakes in the middle of the plate with it that's the one that's going to end up losing the game for you so he's executing it routinely he's working ahead in the counts which is uh which is a huge thing for carlos when he gets those quick outs you start seeing him walking off the mound begging for the next inning that's what you want you want him out there competing like that he's been competing uh really well this year so i'm proud of carlos he's doing great
3: adam a couple more quick things number one you made your Major League debut on September 11th of 2005, our late great friend Chris Duncan, who would have turned 40 today, made his Major League debut one day earlier on September 10th of 2005. And I know that you guys had some great times together and winning a championship together in 2006. What's your strongest or, or best memory or story of Chris Duncan?
2: Well, my best story about Chris Duncan is that Chris sto- Chris Duncan was the all-time greatest storyteller. Uh, he had a couple of stories that he could tell you a hundred times in a row. And every time he told it with the same inflection and made you laugh the same way, you know, and you noticed something different about his story. But it was always his facial expressions and his excitement when he was telling those stories. And I think he was a very good baseball player. He was a great hitter. Um, he he worked so hard in the batting cages to be good. You know, he just, he wanted to be great. He was uh, he was a Duncan because uh, Dave Duncan never stopped working. Chris Duncan never stopped working. I'm not, I'm not but I'm not so sure that Dunk didn't find his calling on the radio when he was done because he was a storyteller to the, and some of his stories, I can't tell y'all on the radio. <laughs> I just can't do it. You know, there's just too much involved and it's just it just is uh sometimes a little pg-13 ish at the least (laughs) um but but would make you howl laughing and uh i I think he would have been a legendary as he already was but i think he would have been a legendary radio voice and something that that kids would have said you know when i was growing up i got to listen to chris duncan tell this story and do this and blah, blah blah and I just uh I mean I just can't say enough about the positivity that he brought to the field every single day in the clubhouse in the dugouts you know it was just uh he made everyone around him better and uh I, I think that y'all would agree with me once he got done with baseball he did the exact same thing
3: yeah, we we had a great time, and and uh, there was never a moment that we had around Chris Duncan that we didn't have fun. And I think that's his legacy is that we, he was just such a fun, happy, engaging guy, and you couldn't
2: have a bad time if you were with with Dunk. And those those facial expressions were just a riot. <laughs> right? I mean, like I can think of him right now; he just make you howl. Just just uh, he can turn anything. He can turn you know the most boring bland situation into a hilarious thing with this, with just the, the the sound effects and the facial expressions he would make.
3: Hey, Wayno, you have some great teammates and uh, fellow major leaguers around baseball that are participating in the All-Win Cam- campaign. Hashtag All-Win and I- I'm honored uh, to, to be a part of it. I made my donation last week, but the All-Win campaign is doing great things for big league impact and therefore doing great things for the world. <laughs>
2: It is, and, and we have several different uh, several different campaigns going on for for Goldschmidt, for myself, for Tommy Edmond, for Miles Michaelis, for um, who am I missing? I'm missing somebody.
3: Hold on, I got it here. You've got Goldie, uh, you've got yourself, you've got uh, did you say Edmund? Goldie Edmund. Edmund. Know.
2: Michaelis, and and and. I don't know. There's somebody else. Those anyway, are the only ones I have on your team. Sorry, we have we have. Uh, oh, there you go. You know better than I do. Oh, uh, I know what it was. We we worked with uh, Jack last year too. Um, but we have lots of different uh, campaigns going on. There's food for the hungry campaign um, with Paul. There's a community center that's being built. It's just uh, just you can't even believe how this changes the dynamic in the Dominican Republic. Um, the community center. It serves as a pharmacy. It serves as as a as a preschool. It serves as a vocational school in the evenings for, for mothers. It's it and it's right next to the baseball field. Everybody is drawn to these baseball fields uh, in the Dominican Republic. The center the center of life is baseball, and so if you get a baseball field, you build a community center next to it. You can really change an entire community around it. That's what Paul's doing. There's other really great things with Tommy and myself and Miles Mike. going on? Uh, We're doing some things in St. Louis that we're going to be feeding people in St. Louis. We're going to be housing um, battered and and, uh, trafficked women here in St. Louis. We're going to be doing lots and lots of different things. And we would love, what we're really searching for right now, is we would love for some fan participation to join in and help us to fight those fights that we're doing right now on Big League Impact. You can go to bigleagueimpact.org and check it out today. Uh, You can follow us on social media on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter and all these kinds of things. You can get on there and follow us and see what we're doing. But we would absolutely love to have some fan engagement just so that y'all can enjoy and figure out and be a part of some of the great things we're doing at Big League Impact.
3: All right. Adam, thanks so much for your time, and we know there's a lot going on. Tell Jenny that we and Cardinal Nation are all praying for her and a quick recovery, and you get back to what you're doing, and we'll talk to you soon.
2: Okay, thanks for the time, guys. Appreciate
3: it. That's the great Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. And Chick-fil-A is the proud sponsor of Wednesdays with Waino on 101 ESPN. Don't forget that on Wednesdays, stop by your local Chick-fil-A and enjoy an ice-cold Sun Joy. Chick-fil-A is donating a portion of the proceeds of the Sun Joy Wednesdays to support big league impact through the baseball regular season. So stop by and have lunch and a Sun Joy today at Chick-fil-A. Thanks to them for participating with Wayno, and thanks to them for bringing by some Sun Joy and some breakfast sandwiches this morning.
4: Can't wait to try that Sun Joy. Looks great. Looks amazing.
3: <laughs> Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got more of your input into who the Cardinals need to have as their MVP in September. That's next on 101 ESPN.
0: We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> It's
3: always good when we can open things up to you and take you behind the curtain and we've Michelle has learned something this morning, and whenever we have new things happen, we'd like you to know about it. So, Michelle, take it away.
4: So, Adam Wainwright told us that he loves an Arnold Palmer, and the Arnold Palmer-style drink at Chick-fil-A is called the Sun Joy. It's got lemonade, a little bit of sweet tea, but the perfect combination of the two. I had never had a Sun Joy from Chick-fil-A, and Chick-fil-A was so generous since it's Wednesday with Waino, and they support Big League Impact and our interview with Adam every week. They dropped off some food and some SunJoys to us, and I just took a sip of that SunJoy, and wow, is that fresh! That might that be one of the best sips of any beverage I've ever had.
3: High praise.
4: High praise. So you need to stop by your local Chick Fil A today, get a SunJoy. Highly recommend.
3: And SunJoy Wednesdays support Big League Impact. A portion of the proceeds from every SunJoy sold today will go to Adam Wainwright's foundation. And by the way, thanks to James for bringing in the. Uh, sandwiches today and the sun joy and thanks to our friends dave and mike and the rest of the gang out at the de Pair, uh chick-fil-a where they have us on on the app in the kitchen
4: oh thank you for listening yeah. and yes thank you for the delivery
3: all right we asked earlier who you think needs to be the cardinals mvp if they are going to be in contention in september and we have had a lot of different answers i actually picked a jack Flaherty as the guy because he's a number one starter and I think you need a number one starter I I always thought that starters and I know they get the Cy Young but I don't think starters get enough love in the MVP race because Mm -hmm. that can change the dynamic of your team You aren't on the same page as me. You have a different MVP in September.
4: Yeah, I'm going to pick someone that's playing every day or almost every day, even though I'm with you. Jack Flaherty is going to need to be that guy for the Cardinals for them to have success, especially later in the season. But I guess... I'm kind of doing the unfair thing where I look at someone like Nolan Arenado or like a Paul Goldschmidt and I know what to expect out of them. I expect them to maintain the level of productivity that we expect from them and whether that's fair or not, that's where I'm going with this. And to me, the MVP that I'm looking at is someone that their success will put the Cardinals over the top. Their success will help the Cardinals win the division and or be a playoff team that you're going to look at as a dangerous team. And to me, that's Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung is a guy that we have seen have offensive success. Mm -hmm. That production has been there at times, but sometimes later in the season, there's been the fatigue factor. I I push out last season for him because of COVID, and it was just such a weird year. But if Paul DeYoung can consistently give you that offensive production, you know what he's going to give you defensively. Imagine what this Cardinals offense looks like. Imagine what your lineup looks like if Paul DeYoung is going.
3: And if you use the term value, I just don't know anything about Edmundo Edmundo Sosa. I'm worried if the Cardinals don't have Paul DeYoung because I think that's one position where you don't have a real backup. Good point. uh, An experienced backup. Granted, if you lose Arenado or Goldie and you have to plug in Matt Carpenter, you aren't going to be as good. But at least you've got a guy that at one point in his career has done it. Sosa's never done it. And that's your backup shortstop to Paul DeYoung.
2: What
4: do the texters say? From the 314, the MVP of the season has to either be Tommy Edmond or Nolan Arenado because you know you're going to get both superb offense and defense from them.
3: Those are two absolute key guys, no doubt about it. And notable that, that what Adam Wainwright said was, hey, when when we got Nolan Arenado, that's when I knew we were going to be really good.
4: That's right. How about this? I believe the MVP of the season will be Carlos Martinez. Will his attitude and his maturity... Sorry, this just reset... Continue? If so, he could be the MVP.
3: If, if he grows up, if he becomes mature, Cardinals have two options for 2022 and 2023. I'll be really interested to see if he has a great year, if the Cardinals pick up the option for 22, or if they just let him walk as a free agent.
4: I wonder, um, heading into this season, I would have thought there's no way. Me too. Regardless of what happens, yeah. absolutely no now way. Now the tsunami is back. The tsunami is back. But, you know, the tsunami couldn't. Be good for Cardinals fans or bad for Cardinals well, fans?
3: As it turns out, tsunamis <laughs> can become tropical storms very quickly.
4: Very quickly, yes. Um, you know, if you're the opposition, you don't want the tsunami to come, but I don't know. I, if, dangling that carrot of the contract is is motivating him great give him another one-year deal yeah. keep that carrot dangled <laughs> i
3: think it's 17 and a half for next year
4: there you go okay last one randy from the three and four. the mvp for the cardinals is going to be alex reyes or another bullpen arm we need a closer that the cardinals can rely on every game
3: and alex reyes eight for eight and has yet to allow a run this season, we're getting to that point where I feel pretty darn good when he comes into a game. Even though he makes it exciting at times, I feel pretty good about it. Thanks for your text. Thank you, Michelle. You got it, Randy. Coming up on this Cinco de Mayo, May 5th of 2021, what would have been Chris Duncan's 40th birthday, we're going to talk to our partner here at 101 ESPN, Anthony Stalter, about some of his Chris Duncan memories.
0: Anthony is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: Hey, we're really excited here at 101 ESPN because... We're telling you on what would have been Chris Duncan's 40th birthday that you can join us on Wednesday afternoon, June 16th, for Dunctionary Day on the Bud Deck at the Budweiser Brew House in Ballpark Village. That's right. We're going to have a dunk day for you. The Cardinals host the Marlins that day at 1215. And you can join us on the Bud Deck to enjoy the game with views looking right into the ballpark. Tickets include a hot dog, a beer, and a Dunctionary T-shirt with... A portion of every ticket purchased being donated to the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund, and we're going to be broadcasting live that afternoon from the Bud Deck with BKM Ferrario from 11 to 2 in the Fast Lane from 2 to 6. Get all the Dunctionary Day ticket details now at 101ESPN.com. And the host of the Fast Lane, Anthony Stalter, is with us now on 101 ESPN. Worked with Dunk first as a producer, and then uh, they did the show together for several years before uh, Dunk sadly and tragically passed away a couple of years ago Anthony good morning it's great to have you with us and I was telling Adam Wainwright uh, all of my memories of dunk are good even though he he left us way too early all of my memories of Chris duncan are happy memories
5: yeah <laughs> yeah thanks guys I appreciate it Michelle Randy thanks for having me on I, I certainly wish that uh you know we were, we were talking about something else and dunk was still gracing our airwaves but it, it is it is nice to kind of reflect on a day like this where as you mentioned, Randy, Dunk would have been forty, and that that really hits home. I'm I'm 39. I just turned 39 in March. So, for him and I to be so close in age, and for him not to be here anymore, is is uh, there, there's no words for that. But I listened to your interview with Waino, and I agree with him. He was one of the best storytellers I have ever heard. And and just like Wainwright was talking about, you can still picture Dunk with his facial and you know his facial expressions. And then we told the story and we told the energy and being able to do radio with dunk for as long as I did. I, I agree with him. I had heard his stories over and over again. I still laughed at key parts. I still laugh when he talks about making the three errors in one play when he was in the minor leagues, I still laugh about him. One of my favorite, favorite stories that he always broke down was when he was traded from the Cardinals to the red Sox and talking about being in Pawtucket, and the sloped bed with the box TV, and you know, talking about going from the Ritz Carlton with the steel cut oatmeal to you know, uh, cheese fingers or whatever he had in Pawtucket. Dunk was a unique guy. That um, I, I there, there's not a day that goes by when I don't think about him, either as a person or what he taught me from a radio or a baseball standpoint. Uh, I miss him dearly. But Randy, to your point. There is nothing but great memories that I I will always have with Chris Duncan.
4: Anthony, one of the things that I'll always remember about Dunk are his phrases. He had so many phrases and unique words that he would casually drop into a conversation that would all of a sudden become a thing. We just would hear him say it, it would be funny, and we would accept it. And whether it was Apo Taco or whatever, all of a sudden it was a Duncanism. That's why we have the Dunctionary shirt, because he had so many phrases and so many words that were so uniquely Chris Duncan. So when you think about some of Dunk's phrases or his words, what's one that stands out to you?
5: Oh, you just nailed one. I, I, I still use oppo taco. Anybody, anytime that people like Jamie or Brad, they're going through, like, you, you know, I think BT so, sometimes says Jimmy Jack or whatever. Like, I always throw in oppo taco for dunk. So, yeah, it's incredible that we could fill up a, an entire T-shirt of <laughs> of words that dunk, that dunk it up. But that is part of the uniqueness that, that we're talking about with dunk. And anybody listening right now, like, you know, we... we we care so much about what people think and you know, it, social media kind of creates that. And, and we're, we're looking for affirmation. We're looking for confirmation. Am I doing the right things? Dunk was himself all the time. And, and what's, what's crazy too about Dunk, and I know you guys know this because, and Randy, you worked with him closely in the fast lane, He was so concerned what everybody thought, mm-hmm. but he was the most unique person that he could, like we said, you could fill up an entire t-shirt of, of unique words that he has, that people use today and people copy, and I think that's that's incredible, and it kind of speaks to who he is as a person. That he, as soon as he gets in radio, or on radio, or and he was the same guy off air too, and and you guys know that. You know, he could be talking to somebody, and he could he could come up with a word on the spot to describe something that was unreal. My my wife Kristen, her favorite word, her favorite phrase was uh, duck farts, mm-hmm. and he he used to say that when Peyton Manning toward the end of his career would throw a pass. He goes, he'd, he'd call it the duck farts. So that one sticks out there.
3: Anthony, can you tell us about the day of Chris Duncan's first wedding anniversary? <laughs>
5: <laughs> this might be Randy's favorite story. I think yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah, so we're at, uh, we're at golf discount. There you go. So we're doing a, a broadcast at, at golf discount. So we're out there, me, Randy, uh, Dunk, DeMarco, and we do our broadcast. And sometimes, you know, Dunk, you know, speaking of words that he used, he, he liked to get a man soda. Uh, and this was this was before his first diagnosis. So before he he uh, they, they realized that he had that he had the brain tumor. Um, he he goes, hey, he's like, you know, do you want to do you want to get a beer after the show? So, all right, sure. So, you know, after the show, we go down the street and I think I actually think Marty, the party Jenkins was with us as well. Uh, so he, he goes with us. So we're, we're out and we're having a good time. We're, you know, just having a couple of drinks, watching the Cardinals game. And all of a sudden dunk gets, dunk, dunk starts to get some, some text messages. And I don't know if he looked down and saw that it was Amy and his wife, Amy. And he's, just, he's like, well, he's like, all right. I'll, I'll get that in a second. Well, he goes to the bathroom, comes back and he sits back down and he goes, Hey, he goes, here's some money. I get to go. I go. All right. Is everything all right? He goes, yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's my anniversary. <laughs> he completely forgot that it was his anniversary, and he was out with with us having some beers and stuff like that. So he had a he had a race home, and I think I don't know if he did it that night or he did it the day after. He went and bought her a, a laptop computer. And Best Buy,
3: he went so, to the Best Buy across the street because you guys. There were- you
5: go. It, yeah, so it was. You're right.
3: And so, so he stops at Best Buy on the way home, just grabs her a computer really quick and raises home yeah. and gives her that as the first anniversary gift.
5: I don't even think he wrapped it. I just think he's like, here you go. I was I was out at Best Buy. I was out at Best Buy buying your computer. What's really funny about that, though, too, and not that Amy was trying to get him back or anything like that. She's not. She wasn't being vindictive. But Dunk, tells, Dunk used to tell the story, too, of, I forget which birthday. It might have been. Might have been his thirtieth birthday or thirty-first birthday or something like that. Uh, so he he <laughs> he's he's out. He's out with us. Uh, I think we're doing we're doing a broadcast something like that. And he told he told us he said hey he's like uh, yeah Amy's Amy's going to the Cardinals game tonight. And we we're like oh okay cool that's that's nice. He goes no he's like you know it's fine. I wonder if she's throwing me a, supar- a surprise birthday party. He goes so I'm gonna go home right afterwards and you know he's he's amping up. He thinks it's gonna be a surprise so he goes home and she's not there she's actually at the cardinals game she had he had no plans of doing any sort of surprise birthday for him so again i she wasn't trying to get him back but he it, it was kind of funny they right. they both were- yeah, they both forgot certain aspects. It's funny.
4: That is funny, Anthony. So far to, in this conversation, we've been talking for eight minutes. We're all we're laughing. We're talking about all of the the fun that Dunk brought to our shows and uh, everyone's everyday lives. He makes everyone laugh and smile. But one thing that I'll always remember about Dunk too is how seriously he took his craft, whether it was baseball or radio. You produced for him. You co-hosted with him. A lot of times, former athletes they come into a situation like this and they lean on their experience and they lean on their personalities, which Dunk certainly did, but he was so prepared. He was probably the most prepared person I've ever worked with.
5: Yeah, he, Michelle, you're absolutely right. He, he was so inspirational in, in that regard. And I heard, I heard Wayno talk about it from a baseball standpoint. I knew he worked hard, uh, you know, when it came to, to perfecting, you know, his craft in baseball, but I, I didn't visualize it. I saw it with radio and he took it to heart that he – I remember when he used to do hits with you guys uh, back before I started with the station, but I used to listen to him and, and Brian Stull. It was Stulley and Dunk mm-hmm. in the nights. And then Randy, you guys, he used to do hits for you guys. He he used to prepare for those hits, and we're talking about 10 minutes maybe at max. He used to prepare hours for for the fast lane hits and then hours for his – show with Stella, Stella going down to the ballpark and things like that. Um, But, you know, I I told this at Dunk's funeral service out in Arizona. I said, you know, I heard, I don't know if it was like a Ted talk or a motivational speaker or something like that. Told, say one time he goes, he goes, ask yourself, are if you walk into a, a room of people, he goes, are you better? Is that room better when you walk in or is that room better when you walk out? And Dunk the room always got better when people walked in when he walked into it right and it wasn't just because he was funny it wasn't just because of the personality it was because you knew you were always going always going get your all out of Chris Duncan he used to have a board in his basement where he wrote down all of his goals after he got uh, after he got diagnosed with the brain tumor he was determined that that wasn't going to stop him he tell he used to tell the story where I think it was uh his I don't, know, it was, I don't know, it was like a fifth-grade teacher. Maybe he wasn't even that young. Maybe he was in high school where a teacher came to him and said, hey, what's your backup? I know you're a baseball player. What's your backup plan? And he looked at her and said, I don't have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. It, w- it was, And it wasn't It wasn't that he wasn't going to be prepared for life if he didn't get into baseball. It was just he always put his all into it. He'd have notes upon notes like Dave Duncan, his father, with the baseball, the, uh, the notebooks for pitching, he used to have the same notebooks where he was writing down things for our radio show. We're talking about a two hour radio. We started, I think at three hours. And then we went to two hours, two hour radio show. He'd have probably half a notebook filled with, with aspects that we're going to talk about. He used to call me cause he knew that, you know, from a football standpoint, you know, I, 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 I like football. I understand the game, all that. He used to call me and ask me Monday, a, a random Monday night football game. It could be like Washington and Philadelphia, right? Something that we might not spend that much time on. He wanted to know aspects of that game so that he could portray that he he understood. He knew the stories and all that. So from, all, from a hard work standpoint, I think Dunk was second to none. Absolutely,
3: we look forward to more stories this afternoon on Chris Duncan, what would have been his 40th birthday. Anthony, we always love talking to you. Thanks for coming on with us.
5: No, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate you guys calling, and thank you, and thank you for sharing so many memories because I know you guys have a lot of uh, dunk stories and dunk dunk. Uh you know, uh, so many, so many, so many aspects that Dunk kind of impressions you with you guys too. So thank you, thanks All for having right. me. You got it,
3: Anthony Stalter. You'll hear him this afternoon at two with the Fast Lane on one one ESPN.
4: I think my favorite Dunk story is when we were at the Super Bowl one time. We had gone to a Super Bowl party. We were having a great time. Chris Duncan was certainly having a great time. We get back to the hotel, our whole crew, and he sits down in the lobby at the piano mm-hmm. and starts playing a beautiful song on the piano. It was just such a hard left from what we were just doing. And I go, I didn't know you you play the piano. And he explained to me that he learned how to, how to play for his wife. And he was so good at the piano. And he's just, he was an onion, Chris Duncan. You never really knew what you were going to le- get. There was a lot of layers no. there.
3: And for a major league player, the, the kindest, most innocent personality that you could ever run across. Absolutely. Coming up next, it is Cinco de Mayo. So we've got a little Cinco de Mayo game for you with character and Smallman on 101
0: ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: The Cardinals up by Cinco. Cinco de Mayo. That's coming up pretty soon, too, isn't it? Cinco de Mayo, when is that? Is it over already? That happens uh, on the fifth month, the fifth day, right? Cinco de Mayo. So it's coming up the next May. <laughs>
0: Get ready now. Mike Shannon, one
3: of the all-time greats. Mike Shannon, one of the all-time great people in our community and one of the fun comments of all time. I never get tired of it.
4: Get ready now.
3: <laughs> it's coming up. It's All so right, good. we've got a Cinco de Mayo game here on Cinco de Mayo 2021. Emily has put this together for us. Emily, can you explain the rules, please?
1: Yeah, sorry, I forgot you moved mics. When oh,
3: oh, yeah, that's yeah, my Rand- bad.
1: Randy did move positions in the studio for the game. Yes. Okay, so I have I had Randy and Michelle each come with some... Really bad dad jokes. And by bad, I mean horrible, not not inappropriate. And uh, they're going to each read these dad jokes to each other. And the goal is to try to get the other one to laugh. And if they laugh, they have to eat a chip with some really hot habanero sauce on it.
3: All right, I'm ready to go.
1: Randy's already dumping the sauce out because he knows I'm going to get him to laugh. And
4: yeah,
3: it- just a little bit of habanero sauce.
1: When we opened it, I, it smelled really good.
3: It heavy. smells hot. It yeah. smells hot. Now, Michelle, would you like to be the first joke teller?
1: Yeah,
4: because, see, this is going to be problematic for me because I'm the type of person that once I start laughing, I can't That's stop. A, and okay, I'm already on the precipice because of the Mike Shannon intro. So I'm going to go ahead and go first. <laughs> Randy's laughing. Does that count? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Randy, <clears throat> why is it a bad idea to iron your four-leaf clover?
3: I don't know, Michelle. Why?
4: Because you shouldn't press your luck.
3: Cute. Michelle, what's brown and sticky?
4: I I don't want to answer. A stick? Hmm. It is. Randy, what rock group has four men that doesn't sing?
3: What rock group would that be, Michelle?
4: Mount Rushmore.
3: Okay. Michelle, two goldfish are in a tank. One says to the other, "You know how to drive this thing?"
4: Hmm. You've had better, Randy. What do sprinters eat before a race?
3: I don't know, Michelle. What do sprinters eat before a race?
4: Nothing. They fast. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, I laughed. <laughs>
4: I wish people could see you trying to hold it, because these jokes are right in your wheelhouse.
3: There's no problem at all.
4: Oh, you enjoy the habanero sauce? Yeah. Okay, good.
3: Michelle, two guys walked into a bar. The third guy ducked.
4: <laughs> pretty well, good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Randy, did you hear about that restaurant on the moon? No. Great food. No atmosphere. That's pretty funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: Michelle, my wife asked me to go get six cans of Sprite from Schnucks.
4: <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not even the punchline. I'll eat it, but just your face.
3: <laughs> when I got home, I realized that I had picked seven up.
4: <laughs> okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, you worked in Schnooks, so that made me laugh. Okay. So Cha-ching. Oh, wow. That has some heat to it.
3: Yeah, it does. Oh, you got, you really poured it in there. <laughs> Wow. You have one?
4: It's really strong. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. As I'm chomping on the air. Wow. That second wave of heat is coming. Okay. <clears throat> Randy, why do melons have weddings?
3: I think I know this one, Michelle. Why?
4: Because they elope.
3: Michelle, did you hear about the kidnapping at school? No. It's fine. He woke up.
4: Close. Just swallowing here. Uh, Randy, why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself?
3: I don't know, Michelle. Why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself?
4: It was too tired.
3: That is so (laughs) funny. That's good. Michelle, you're American when you walk into the bathroom, and you're American when you come out. But what are you while you're in the bathroom? European. You got it.
4: Classic by you. Thanks. Randy, did you hear about the guy who invented Lifesavers?
3: I did not, Michelle.
4: They say he made a mint.
3: Mm-hmm, good. You know, I've been thinking about taking up meditation. I figure it's better than just sitting around doing nothing.
4: I like meditating.
3: Get it, sitting around doing no,
4: nothing? I, I get it, I get it. Uh, Randy, did you hear that rumor about butter? No, what about it? I'm not going to spread it.
3: Michelle? Sundays are always a little bit sad. But the day before is a Saturday.
4: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Hey Randy, been telling a lot of jokes here. You want to hear a joke about construction? I do. I'm still working on it.
3: Good. Michelle, you have a dog. I have a couple of dogs. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. dogs can't operate MRI machines, but cats can.
4: That's a pretty good one. Randy, you know, I was thinking about this beautiful herb garden that I had when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Good times.
3: T-H-Y-M, yes. T-H-Y-M, yes. I was going to tell you guys a time traveling joke, but you guys didn't like it.
4: Hmm. Randy, did you know how Moses made his coffee? No, how? He brews it.
6: Get it? Yeah, I get it. Okay.
3: Michelle, people are usually shocked to hear that I have a police record, but I love their greatest hits.
4: Shout out Sting. That heat is still there. It is. From one bite. I really did put a lot on Mm -hmm. that chip. Okay. um, Randy, did you hear about that cheese factory that exploded in France? No. Debris is everywhere. I (laughs) thought... I, was say, I thought I would kill you with that one. <laughs> good. So what is this? I'm up, what, three to one here?
3: Something like that, yeah. All right. Uh how can you tell it's a dogwood tree? It's barking? By the bark.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll give you one more. Okay. Why did the old man fall in the well?
3: It was gonna be my next one. No way. Yeah, it was. Weird. Because he couldn't see that well. He
4: couldn't see that well. Very good. Okay, let me give you another one then. Um did I run through all my joke, jokes here?
3: When does a joke become a dad joke? I don't know when. When it becomes apparent.
4: Pretty good. All right, here's my last one, and this one's tailor-made for you. Randy, what concert costs just 45 cents?
3: What concert does cost just 45 cents?
4: 50 Cent featuring Nickelback.
3: That's a great one.
4: Thanks. You can steal that.
3: Hey, when you have a bladder infection, you're in trouble. <laughs>
4: Gross. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll I'll go ahead I'll and, You. Oh, man. That was fun.
3: <laughs> that was fun.
4: Oh, my God, that's so spicy.
3: It is spicy. All right, so that's a game. We hope you got a chuckle out of it. We were trying to not laugh.
4: How about this one? Why is six afraid of seven? Why? Because seven ain't nine.
3: Oh, that's a good one. I like that. You know, singing in the shower is fun until you get soap in your mouth. Then it becomes... A soap opera.
4: How do you steal a coat? How? Your jacket. <laughs> that was from the 314 on the dark one.
3: What would the Terminator be called in his retirement? I don't know what. The ex-Terminator.
4: Oh, uh, also That also works if you want to have a bug joke.
3: Yep, good one. Thanks. All right, there's the game.
4: <laughs> wow, Emily, this hot sauce that you got. Yeah.
3: Happy, uh, happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy 5th of May.
4: I never understand how people can eat things that are so spicy like this. I
3: am more inclined to eat and enjoy spicy things than I was in my younger days. Yeah. I think my taste buds are dying or something. I don't know.
4: They're dying. Well, yeah. pr- they're probably dying because you're burning them all off with the sauce. For, yeah.
3: We are going to cross things over with Danny Mac next on 101 ESPN.
0: We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: The Dan McLaughlin Show is coming up here on 101 ESPN. And Dan just mentioned, we're going to have, because we went long with Wayno, which caused us to get
6: behind and we had to play the game on Cinco de Mayo, mm-hmm. right? Did you enjoy the Cinco de Mayo game? Can I be honest? Yeah. I wasn't listening. All right. I'm just, what was the game? We were doing dad jokes, trying to get each no. other to laugh. I wouldn't have enjoyed it. I, I don't laugh at your play. jokes anyway. I know you don't.
4: Actually, Dan would have been very good at the game
6: because yeah. the goal was to not laugh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'd have been fine. Yeah, you yeah. mm-hmm. would have been the winner for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm just a curmudgeon.
4: But you know what, Dan? Not one O.J. Simpson joke out of Randy.
6: I'm sure there was a death joke of some sort. There wasn't. No, they were all dad jokes.
4: The 314 said they really thought Randy would take a stab at that type of joke.
6: See? O.J. There you go. Look at the some... the impact that you've made on yeah. others that have not probably wanted to go down that road of death and you just have infiltrated their minds some people think that i have
3: a cutting personality and i don't i'm just not that sort of person dan
6: <laughs> i'm a sharp guy but no i'm not going to use we, that sense we of we had humor. the game rained out last night yeah. aaron miles is coming up on our show oh nice yeah, aaron we're miles, looking a forward- major league pitcher aaron miles yeah remember my- oh yeah he did he did pitch a little bit yeah, yeah. okay I think Dunk loved that. Everybody did. Yeah. I, I enjoy seeing the position players get in there. I think it's fun. Dunk called him his little buddy. You his little bring, buddy, you, huh? Yeah, you can, you can bring <laughs> right, that up. I'll ask him about it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Looking forward to it.
3: Do you think, Dan, that in any way, granted, the players were all ready to go last night and they all showed up at the ballpark, but having nine innings of not being on their legs in the midst of this
6: 17-day stretch, can the rain out yesterday be a benefit at all? I think he can be. I I, th- I always look at it from the pitching perspective. Like you get somebody a day off. Like for instance, Alex Reyes probably was not going to pitch last night. He's been used a lot. Now you got fourteen innings. You got to cover at least. So could he come back today, especially in the second game? Maybe so. Um, and I think even more so, it may have been beneficial for the Mets. You know, Degrom yeah. gets scratched there. And as a baseball fan, I was really looking forward to watching him pitch. I think Mm -hmm. just not being on one side or the other. You just want to watch that guy throw. And you got him in your backyard. You get to see him pitch. And he's been incredible. And he was going on extra days rest. So you would have thought he's going to be really good. But I, I, I do think, though, from the Cardinals' perspective, 17 days in a row, that's a lot of games in a row, a lot of days in a row you know what, just kind of catch your breath and then get to the ballpark and be ready to roll. So it'll be interesting, too, to see the lineup that Mike Schilt wants to go with because it looked to be kind of a DeGrom lineup yeah. last night. You know, you, you, Arenado had not had good numbers against Jacob DeGrom. Justin Williams was in the outfield. Uh, do you want to change that up? Now, you got two games, but all they're 14 innings. Or it's seven inning games, so might see those guys back in there going back-to-back, back. who knows, with Arenado and some of the others. And, oh, by the way... Among team members, and Wayno bueno has said it last night. I think it was O'Neill that called him J Dub. So J Dub is a thing now. It's, is that it's right? It's official. Yeah. Oh.
1: Wow. It's
6: like Cabby with Cabrera. I don't like the well. Cabby did this. No, it, it's Henderson's Cabrera. I don't like it. Cabby. That's one nickname I don't like. It's just a personal preference.
4: Cabby, I don't, I don't I'm not into it, it either. Uh,
6: I, I, I actually agree with you guys on that one. Yeah. I'm just not into it. J Dub right. is good. Doesn't though. make it a bad thing. I'm just not into it. J Dub is yeah. fine and i I think I started the trend, and you you actually initiated it, and I went made it you did I known think. to the baseball world on a baseball game, yeah, now if Cabrera was maybe a driver and you say, "Hey, cabby, then it's different, but not, that's not
3: different when he's a baseball player. that's correct, yeah uh we're looking forward to your show featuring Aaron miles
6: and b k and b k yeah b k yeah. will be here too. looking, looking forward, forward to, to it. it and we will are you with us tomorrow morning officially no. On Thursday? No, we have a, uh, a day, day game. Twelve
3: fifteen. day game, darn it.
6: Yeah.
4: Ah, these day games taking you away from us. Yeah. Man.
6: Well, we'll
3: be tuned in this afternoon and tonight. I look forward to that. Thank All you, guys. Right. That is the great Dan McLaughlin, and you will hear him with BK coming up, and you'll hear him on Bally Sports Midwest this afternoon, 4 o'clock, first pitch for the first game of the doubleheader. Great job by our producer, engineer, game creator, Emily Butcher. Thank you.
4: Thank you.
3: Michelle, this was fun. It
4: was. Randy, see you tomorrow.
3: Everybody have a, a good, uh, when is that? A cinco de Mayo. And uh,
0: enjoy yourself.
3: For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis.
0: You've been listening to the character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise.